And we're back. I'm James. This is the Quiz Fan Podcast. I'm Luke. I'm Mike. I'm Brent. This is James. <laughs> hey, nice work, bud. There you go. We got a little all-star on our hands. What'd you do this weekend because there was no Grizz game? Um, I got a sleepover with my grandma and grandpa. All right. Because my dad and mom were in New York. New York <laughs> City? How about that? Who plays in New York City? Uh, the Yankees and the Jets and the Patriots. The Patriots don't play in New York. Oh, yeah. They play close <laughs> to I'm them, at I the Giants. There, fair, fair yeah. enough. We only care about the Yankees, though. No, we don't. <laughs> hey! Oh, I meant the Yankees. I thought it was the 49ers. Yeah, you're done with the pod now. <clears throat> yeah, who cares? 49ers are dumb. <laughs> oh! Wow. All right. Well... Well, he uh, talks trash like his mom. <laughs> <laughs> We're having a little little crisis uh, in in uh, James has adopted most of my teams to follow, and I'm a Niners fan. But some kid at preschool three years ago always wore Raiders gear, and now other side of the bay, huh? He thinks. He thinks he's a Raiders fan, and I've been texting some of my buddies about this because we've got a couple buddies who are Raiders fans, and it sounds like an awful existence. Don't do it, James. <laughs> but he's also six, and he absolutely knows how to taunt me. He talks more shit than he does English at this age. <laughs> Ooh, all right. So, guys, uh, big win in the bye week, huh? Oh, man. You know what? It was a great bye week for the Grizz. I mean, a whole bunch of teams looked like crap and fell. I mean, lost in front of us, and we moved up what two, three spots. Yeah, fascinating um, week yeah. for sure. Um, well, we're going to get into a few of them, uh, but any any quick takeaways from uh, what happened this week? Anything anything big happened down the road that we should be talking about? Man, I watched that game, the MSU Sac State game, and as much as we're going to talk about Sac State and how good they looked, it that team really exposed MSU. <laughs> yeah. You apparently need a quarterback uh, to win tough games in this league. You know, it's something we've been talking about a little bit, and I'm not surprised. Sooner or later, this was going to happen, I think. And, and we talked about this in our preview. We talked about it last year. How much time was Choke going to give the QBs to develop any sort of rhythm? Mm-hmm. And the answer to that is none for either one of them. And it could be because they're both not the answer. Right. But they really got caught this weekend because they couldn't throw it deep. The the team, Sac State, read Johnson. Yep. And because he always keeps the ball, Troy's still hurt. I mean, it's I. I'm sure they're going to figure some things out in the bye week and, and come out strong, but yeah, yeah, yeah. fascinating time down there in Catland. Yeah, it was. I, I missed the game. I was golfing. It was my 40th birthday, but it was a great birthday present from Sac State. So. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's enough about that. <laughs> well, uh, Grizz are back. Yeah. It was, I, the, we were, so we were looking at this, bye weeks, and um, it's kind of weird having a bye week in the middle of the season. A lot of the ones we've looked at <laughs> earlier have been like in September. So It's like the it's exact really middle strange. of the season. Yeah. We played six games yep. before, and we have six games after. And it turned out that this is a like awesome time for a bye week. Like I would have thought that uh, a bye week before UC Davis would have been more advantageous for us. Um, but Sac State 
turns out to be a real damn good team. So getting this bye week in front of them makes Kent Haslam look like a savant. Yeah. I don't know if this is Kent booking this, though, right? I mean, a bye week is a gap that, right, because your conference schedule is, like, predetermined by, like, some... To a point. Layout, but there's obviously some yeah. input the teams get because the teams will have um, playoff games scheduled. Some of them will mm-hmm. in the middle. Like, mm-hmm. Idaho State goes to BYU later on. Yeah, so, why not? Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. there's some level. I don't know. <laughs> it's tough to say. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> <laughs> Who cares? Yeah. Well, how was New York, Mike? You know, it was awesome. Yeah. It had been uh, over a decade since I was there. My wife had never been, so we just snuck out and did a nice trip, the two of us, and went to a couple shows, did a lot of other things. It's an incredible place to visit. Lots of people. And first day there, we walked out of our hotel, went to get breakfast. Then we're um, standing on the corner waiting across the street, and somebody walks by, and they go, Montana, go Grizz! And oh. I was wearing a maroon shirt, so you get it everywhere. That's amazing. Yeah. That's incredible. <laughs> yep. Right there in New York. And actually, the guy was kind of looking back. And I was thinking I should have stopped and talked to him some more because he seemed to, like, want to engage. But I was too focused on figuring out where we were going. <laughs> if you were in New York City and you saw, like, another Big Sky Conference shirt, like, you know, Northern Colorado, would you give it a shout out? Just because oh, yeah. it's so oh, strange. Yeah. I would. Like Northern Colorado, and see if they look. And be like, yeah, we beat you, yeah. <laughs> except for that one time. <laughs> but that time didn't count. <laughs> yeah, none of that. Means to an end. We kicked Ooh. off twice to you in one game. That was NAU, wasn't it? No, it's Northern Colorado. Really? Yeah. You want to bet a steak dinner on this? Oh, hard shake. Okay, we gotta look that up. Okay. <laughs> um, in the meantime. This is the part of the pod where we usually recap the game we had. Mm. We had no game. Um, I do want to talk just a smidge more about um, Idaho State, just because I uh, um, was able to break it down a little bit more. We had QB Club this week, and it was interesting, obviously not going into too much detail, because QB Club is a, is a secret, and it's awesome, and it's worth your time. Go grizz.com slash QB Club. Mm-hmm. Um, join it. But... Uh, you know, they broke down um, Bobby Houck, or Robbie Houck hitting the quarterback, which we talked about on the pod last week. Like, this was a game changer, you know. And they actually showed him hitting him once earlier. And they they were talking about how the deep parts of the defense we run, a lot of the Idaho State coaching staff had coached against because when they were at UNLV and Rocky Long was at New Mexico State, they played against it. And then, obviously for those that were still in the Mountain West when Rocky Long moved to San Diego State, you know, he brought it with them. But what they were saying is there are certain elements of this defense that they didn't do at San Diego State hmm. and at New Mexico State because yeah. they just didn't have the guys in the matchup. Hmm. And one of the things that they were able to throw in that they aren't used to having happen is Hauk or the safety, if you will, coming on the blitz because usually they don't have the athletes to do it. And I think it must be a combination of Hauk being a good athlete but also the level and, and just us being a good matchup. But they said that those guys probably had him prep for the defense and said, don't worry about this guy. He's never coming. And there you go. It's fascinating. Interesting. Yeah. 
I would think that you could make that adjustment. <clears throat> I would think you could too. In game. I would think you could, but probably not in play. Sure. So like it probably didn't work again, but like that's you're catching them by surprise. Like mm-hmm. they hadn't put it on film, they hadn't done anything, and and they did it. It, just... it would seem that if it was that easy to confuse a team, you would just never run the same thing twice. And then you're perpetually confusing everybody. Fair. Like you, it seems like you should be able to make a damn adjustment. <laughs> what? Right? Like, <laughs> or you just literally go random order, mm-hmm. you know, defense and be like, but wow. I think it's a, I think the bigger point I took away from it was that if coaches just watch film and get wrapped up on tendency and say, this is what we're going to do because this is what they always do, you open yourself up to, you're not having your guys ready for the wild card. Interesting. Hmm. And I imagine it's easier to coach against tendency than to take a week or, or to build in like unshakable principles, right? That are like veteran level, like maybe NFL intelligence, you know, the mm-hmm. exposure to the game of like, it doesn't really matter what the offense does. Here are your principles that you always abide by. What do you guys think about that versus just teaching tendency? Do you think it's like a cheat? I mean, I think that the idea is I think you got to coach tendency because obviously tendency is there for a reason, so people need to be aware of it. But it's kind of the same reason that why do passes back to the wide receiver on the other side of the field who then throws it down the field ever work? It's because they're catching the defense cheating on the tendency, right? Yeah, yeah, true. So it's like, you know, you can't fall for – you can't fall into the habit of doing the same thing whenever they do the same thing. You got to mix it up. Hmm. I mean, my takeaway was was one obviously. I mean, obviously, you know, it, Grizz coaches are going to be proud of the Grizz guys, and it worked. And maybe it's not as big a deal. But the bigger thing I took from it is something that I think that we would all agree on with this coaching staff is that they're actually thinking a little bit below just the surface of, you know, this is how good a team is. This is what they do. Let's just line up against it and say, like, okay, if this is what they do, they won't be expecting this. But the danger there is you can overthink it too, right? It's kind of like coaches getting cued on offense and stop and going away from what's been working all game. Sure. It's my yeah. biggest pet peeve. Have you seen that before? <clears throat> never. Never? <laughs> Not once? Not once. Not like even here at Montana? Never? Never. <laughs> I remember you loved slowing it down last year. (laughs) (laughs) Slowing it down was clearly working. Clearly working. So, Mike, can I ask you a question? No, it's not the the check down. What were you doing October 6, 2012? October 6, 2012. I know. Were were you and I... No. 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 Was this the App State? Yeah, actually, I think we watched this game. Was this East Washington? No. No. Was this App State or no. the week after App State? None of the above. I don't know what I was doing on October 6, 2012. You were watching uh, the Montana Grizzlies football team play a game at Northern Colorado. <laughs> play-by-play box score. Start of first quarter. UM won the toss and deferred. Grizzlies defend the North Pole. Yeah. Chris Leiter kicked off to the Northern Colorado Zero. Son of a... Touchback. Let's fast forward to the third quarter. Did you say we were at Northern Colorado or at, at UNC. here? Then we at did UNC. it here. We did it here? Against Northern Arizona. Well, so I've got a third quarter here that the UM ball. So UM Chris has done this twice? Off. 
<laughs> See, I think this means I get the steak dinner. <laughs> well, what we learned a couple weeks ago is that you should cook it too. So bring <laughs> yeah. it, cook it. I'll find mine and see if I can. Because I swear they did it here. And probably. It's against NAU and we were losing in half, but then we ended up winning. I feel like it was a Delaney year. But... That was a Delaney year, 12. Huh. So maybe, was... I'm, maybe I'm blending things. <laughs> Who knows? There you go. There you go. I'm bringing it back. Anyway, I just wanted to touch on that because I thought it was interesting. That is fascinating. Yeah. yeah. Uh, nothing from there. Let's talk about the the Big Sky Conference last week. Let's do it. Interesting things happened. And there's some observations that we can make. So let's just start running through the games. Well, speaking of Idaho State, they went in and, well, they hosted the University of North Dakota and beat them handily, 55-20. to 20. Yeah. I think my biggest takeaway from that is, I mean, North Dakota beat Davis yeah. in North Dakota, but still. Like, North Dakota is not just this pushover. So my biggest take from it is, if you hear anybody, Cat fans, I'm talking to you, <clears> who take, tries <throat> to suggest that Idaho State was a bad team, I mean, Idaho State clearly isn't as good as the Grizz, but that was a good win for the Grizz. Yeah. Two weeks ago. I mean, we heard this on the, the main podcast with, with, you know, the very cat-heavy main podcast last week was that they were saying beating Idaho State was the same equivalent as beating Polly. And that's definitely not true unless we see Polly beat some, like, well, Polly lost to Davis. They got they got stomped by Davis. And so I think uh, it shows that Idaho State team is not a terrible team. Now, I think they're a top half of the FCS team, yeah. whereas Polly's definitely a bottom half of the FCS. Yep, I'd agree with that. Yeah, I yeah. think that's fair. Um, I want to address something else you just said. I believe we are the main podcast. The, the other podcast, <laughs> yeah, what the, the hell? Maybe maybe the Montana okay. main podcast. Say, say the original pod, or we what are I the say? Grizz okay. fan podcast. The Montana Mint is lucky to have in their feed. <laughs> we are driving your traffic up. Oh man! Oh, God. Look at our Twitter followers compared to you guys. We... Interactions, not followers. Interactions. <laughs> we are turning into like that, uh, like the Des Bryant, Terrell Owens of the thing, or the Antonio Bryant, right? Just like all I'm gonna say, producer Jerry, <laughs> is contract negotiations are coming up. <laughs> they are coming up. Brent is here doing the thumbs in the back. We'll look at my jersey. <laughs> what? How far are we into this podcast right now? <laughs> we are sitting at a solid fourteen and a half minutes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, so just side note on that, you know, like I'm going I'm to focus on this season, and then we'll just take care of what has to be taken care of after that. Perfect. <laughs> um, next game. <laughs> uh, next game, uh, Montana State hosts Sac State. Um, I mean, holy crap. Let's yeah. just say this. It, it always wanna... feels good to see them get their asses kicked at home. <laughs> So I mean I you're right. I'm not even gonna you know split hairs there. Part of me was really hoping that uh, both MSU and UM would you know be locks for the playoffs come mm-hmm. Cadres. And they, and still, they still could, could be. They absolutely. I mean could be. MSU could figure it out in their bye, and they still have a ridiculous schedule. I mean they still I would if so, you said I had to pick right now if they're gonna make the playoffs or not. I mean I. I'd say ninety percent. Go to UND, host Southern Utah. Go to Northern Colorado. Go to Davis, host us. I mean, I think worst case scenario there. Let's just say worst case scenario there. They could lose to UND, 
Davis and us. Nice. And that probably knocks him out of the playoffs. Yep. But like that is literally worst case scenario. Right. Yeah. So I don't think they're gonna lose those other see. games. Yeah. I mean Yeah, I I actually just think, you know, a high tide raises all ships a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I am not one of those fans. Like I, I'm a I'm a fan who kind of enjoys when MSU beats other teams because I want like us to clearly be the most dominant team in the state. Like I don't want there to be any quibbling about it. And uh, when MSU beats Sac State and we beat Sac State, you know, and it comes down to the wire at the ball at the brawl of the wild, like I want it to be like unequivocal. We're we're the best. So I you know if if the Grizz happened to lose and Montana State they lost, you know, there's still an a lot of questions. To oh be yeah, asked. and I, you know, I'm not sitting here saying the Grizz are going to go undefeated the rest of the season. Like I definitely am still a pessimist who thinks there's opportunities, and we'll talk more about that. I mean, you could honestly pick it apart, right? And all things, even like who could potentially have a better record in the next six weeks, Cats or Grizz, and the Cats have a much easier schedule in terms of opponent. Mm-hmm. I think the Grizz could still have a better uh, uh, end result, but I mean, we've got a much tougher schedule, and we, you know, very well could. So drop some games. One thing that that you know it's always interesting. You know, so MSU at, at their homecoming before they got obliterated um, announced that they met their eighteen million dollar fundraising goal to build a football complex, and I don't think it includes a weight room, but it it's like a football building that the football staff will move into and new locker rooms. And then they're going to put an academic center where the football staff currently is. So $18 million. So good for them. I mean, that's a big deal. Yeah. You know? So awesome. Good for them. They're still not going to be on par, on par with, with UM, even when they finish that. But the bigger thing is um, uh, UM announced that their campaign Montana goal of $400 million, um, they met <laughs> ahead of schedule. Yeah. And I feel like the media is just glorifying sports and athletics because it has not been as big of a deal. So I think it's interesting that for all the crap that, you know, cat fans like to flip UM about not caring about academics. Here we are. Where's your $400 million campaign Montana successes? Let me just keep getting Gene 40 to build on buildings. <laughs> I think we, I think we should uh, we should tell um, the regents that like, hey, what we really want is like a natural sciences building. But if we build a wing for creationist like science, <laughs> G and Forty will fund it. So <laughs> okay, let's kill two birds with one stone. Luke went there and less than twenty minutes into the pod too. Nicely done. Yeah, what? Like uh, <laughs> I. There's, I not said wrong. nothing this pejorative. Is, this is not. This is. We're not getting political here. Craig Gianforte has given money to a creationist museum, so I understand what you're saying. Yes, he's let's got money. Keep, let's keep this pot above the fray a little bit here. <laughs> let's get some of that rich man's money to the University of Montana. That's well, all he's I'm saying. For governor, so now's the time. Strike while the iron's hot, right? There yeah, I mean, donating before an election seems to be his thing. Well, that's. <laughs> He did it at MSU. He did it both, to both universities before the last election. Yeah. <laughs> all right, all right. Listen, I'm, he, he I could, get what you're saying. I'm not picking the side here. I'm just <laughs> trying to get his money into public hands. 
Oh, man. All right. Well, I'm just thinking of all the funny things you could do with that. You guys. I'm going to keep it off. You guys asked us to rearrange our show schedule, which we did. And we're in week two. And one of the reasons you did was to avoid Luke bringing up crazy things while the people who cared about football were listening. This is your fault. And here we are. Here we are. See, this is 20 minutes in. You talked about academics. Brought it up, Mike. Uh, you like started a fire and uh, called emergency. What? Uh, okay, so but, back to the MSU Sac State game. Yeah, I really think still their biggest problem is they haven't figured out the quarterback. They have this Travis Johnson. They who's, don't. They don't have a quarterback. I mean, they, they have a linebacker that's a quarterback. They have a running back that plays quarterback, and they've got two young guys that just aren't ready yet. Travis Johnson's listed as listed as a quarterback. He's a running back, though. I mean, he he's is a great runner too. Like he does a lot of good stuff on the ground, but he he's not a passer. What's so what's his statistics passing? I'm not looking at it. So, do you have it in front of you? Um, I mean, I watched some of that poly game and their overtime. Yeah. It was just like read, zone read, keep, 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 touchdown. He's in. Like he's great at that. That's what he was brought into Oregon to do as well too. Right before he came to the Cats. Right. And of course, Troy Anderson, who's the favorite of the pod that's wearing a Montana state Jersey, um, a little dinged up, but obviously a great linebacker, but I just wonder, yeah. I mean, there, there's a ceiling when you don't have a quarterback and sure. sometimes that ceiling is the playoffs. Sometimes that ceiling is you beat the Grizz. Um, but it, it just baffles me. And I think that this probably has momentum. Mm-hmm for their future recruiting. I've talked about this before, but if you're a stud high school quarterback uh, who's going to land in the FCS and you're getting recruited by the Bobcats, you see that they have zero demonstrated ability to develop uh, quarterbacks into really good college quarterbacks. I don't know where this problem, how this problem gets solved for MSU. Well, and the tough thing is, is, I mean, we've seen a little bit of Bauman and a little bit of Rovig, but Rovig is a sophomore, right? And Bauman is a, is he a true or a redshirt freshman? Redshirt? I mean, they're young guys. Yep. And so maybe the problem is just not attacking that developmental ability. I mean, but of course, again, they were relying upon, um, blanking out the name, Murray. Right, Chris Murray to come in and be their quarterback, and it didn't work out on you know in that situation, and probably probably a bad gamble. I see you shaking your head, Mike. Yeah, but but um, it, it's it, I mean I don't know if you if the Grizz snapped, and I'm not knocking the guy, but like if the Grizz had to play Garrett Graves right now, I think people would say our quarterback doesn't look that great either. Now, I think Graves could become pretty damn good, but, but I, mean, I think Graves is maybe a, a better QB. Than Bauman and Rovig, maybe right now, maybe even? possibly, I mean, possibly, but still, it's just kind of like probably put ourselves in a similar boat. But, but I mean, like for that to happen, you'd have to lose your number one and number and two. two because so I think the yeah. knock on it, and, and even when it was Murray for two years, it's like, was Murray that much better than Troy Anderson as a QB? Yeah, I mean, like, he was no, a, they were different, he was a run first. I mean, he could maybe he could throw it better, but he wasn't really consistent. So it's like, I just think if there is a knock on Choate, it's recruiting QBs. Yeah. So what MSU, I think, does really good this year um, is they can run the ball and they can 
play tough defense. They can stop the run especially well. Mm-hmm. And they couldn't do either of those things against Sac State. Mm-mm. Uh, like I said, I watched the game, and I thought Sac State's offensive line dominated up front. And Sac State, they ran the ball really well. Um, they have Sac State has a, a running back. Uh, what's his name again? Uh, Elijah Dotson. Elijah Elijah Dotson, who Bobby how Bobby claims. has said that he's one of the best backs. I, 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 Bobby really likes what he sees out of him, and Dotson doesn't lead the team in rushing yards. It's Thompson. The QB. It's their QB. But Don, Dotson, though, is – and we're going to talk a little bit more about Sack, but he is also their leading receiver as well, too. I mean, the guy, he's, he's – He's dynamic. He's a super dynamic dude, and we've seen him for years. We know he's damn good. But what what but yeah. surprised me was the ability of Sack's interior line to dominate up front. And they do a lot of, like, motion in the backfield to confuse – the defense a little bit, and they'll pull a guard to the opposite side as the motion, mm-hmm. you know, and, like, it seems like one out of every three runs, they'll actually run to the naked side and catch teams off balance, and uh, it's something that I think is kind of hard to scheme for, and if you have the horses up front pushing back the D-line, yep. get the ball in the hands of a guy like Dotson, yeah. and you can chew up a lot of yards. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, and um, we'll talk more about this on the growth sides. But, but I mean, I think looking at this, when we talked about this last week, and I think a lot of people, and I incorrectly predicted, I thought Sack was an underdog, so I picked them as an underdog to cover in the Big Sky Todd Network and caught a lot of hell from that from our old buddy Parlay and others, Chris Hammond too. But um, this matchup for MSU was just, I mean, a tremendously talented D-line solid front, bad pass defense, but Cats can't pass at like like other teams in the conference. And uh, so Cats couldn't run the ball and do all their stuff that they did. Uh, what you saw, I've seen clips of it a few times now. What was it? They had the goofy fourth down, everyone split out, and Sack just blew it up and turned into a loss of seven yards. Um, so it's just one of these things that um, – yeah, I, this was a matchup nightmare for the Cats because Sack's weakness is passing defense, and Cats don't pass. How do you think we match up this way? We match up better, but um, we haven't played a team that has this kind of mobile QB and Johansi Humphrey type scat back that like Dotson is, where he's you know, running and receiving and, and just all over the field. So it'll be an interesting matchup, but we match up better. But I feel like, and we've, we've had this conversation, and I feel like we have now jumped into Grizz, the game preview. <laughs> have, yeah. So let's make this point and save some of yep, this. But move on. I feel like every week we talk about how the next QB the Grizz are playing is the greatest QB ever. And he is good. Don't get me wrong. He's clearly good. But, I mean, can, can a QB really have a better day against the Grizz defense than the Monmouth guy did? If you think no, I mean, like I don't, I don't think anyone has. You, you know, I mean, he just he was two steps, boom, ball was gone, and that it's like, can we adjust to that? Like, I feel like our defense has got the potential, and our offense just needs to keep up. But let's talk about this more <laughs> in a bit. Fair enough. I want to make one more point on um, fundraising because not to be outdone, the Grizz did announce that they've they. Achieved another two two million dollars 
to renovate the men's basketball locker room. Sure. And move that and the um, equipment room to new space where the weight room used to be Mm -hmm. before they got the Champion Center so that then they can move a new Lady Grizz volleyball and basketball locker rooms into um, uh, that space. So lots of of cool stuff still going on facility-wise for Grizz Athletics as well. Let's move to the next game. Green Bay Packers just won. <laughs> Aaron Rodgers and so I four practice twice, squad I receivers. <laughs> well, this is the thing, though. There's They scored 10 points to take the lead um, on two phantom hands-to-face calls that, that could not be reviewed by the Lions D-line that extended drives. Oh. It's a completely dirty win. But after – I sound like a Seahawks fan now. After the fail, Mary, I don't care. You're just writing it all off. Yeah. Um, Brent, a couple questions for you on the Packers since you just put them in the big sky conference. Um, which current Grizzly receivers would have started for the Packers tonight? All of them. <laughs> um, I mean, they're undrafted guys today, so it's not. Nick, this isn't the craziest. Nick Germer. Uh, Nick Germer oh, would have. Yeah, no. <laughs> uh, yeah, no. Packers playing four undrafted free agents at receiver tonight. But. All right. Second question. Okay. Would you consider the Packers a first tier? Big Sky Conference team or a second-tier Big Sky Conference team? I'll hang up and listen. I don't know. You know, I kind of straddle that fence right now. <laughs> Mike's getting cocky after his Niners are undefeated. His Niners are Niners, Luke. Niners, don't run from me. Niners and Packers play this year. But you're, you're the one that's cocky. Oh, I didn't bring up the Niners at all. Okay. But if you could talk to James before you leave tonight, that'd be really useful. All I want is a Jimmy Garoppolo, Tom Brady, Super Bowl. Oh, my God. <laughs> Let's talk about the next game. So, wait. But real quick, what if we crowdsourced? So, enough funds to send the Grizz fan pod to San Francisco, eleven twenty four for Niners versus Packers. If we crowdsourced enough funds, we're all in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Why not? Why not? <laughs> yeah. Fuck yeah. Let's do it. <laughs> we can do the pod live. We're we'll going to yeah. drop this in the middle of the Earn game. Dozens of dollars. <laughs> <laughs> My mama was good for 20. I'm sure she's, she's going to figure viral, out Luke. It's going viral. <laughs> okay, moving on. We really need a game this week, guys. <laughs> so bad. We have uh, Eastern Washington uh, put 54 on Northern Colorado's 21. Eric Barrierier with almost 450 passing yards. Looking good against Northern Colorado. Yeah, UNC, so it's tough to say. But, like, everyone was kind of saying, well, maybe he's not the passer, but then you put up 445 and uh-oh. yeah, I don't uh-oh. think that he is the passer that maybe Meyer, Meyer was or um, um, Struck, the ISU kid? No, no, the guy who went to Oregon. Why am I? Herbert? Oregon. No, Eastern's guy. Vernon Adams. Oh, oh Vernon, Vernon Adams. Adams. Sorry, yeah. I thought you were talking about this um, year. But I also yeah. think, and we've talked about this too, is like that's really not, I think, a fair expectation because those guys are first-team all-conference MVPs. Yeah, yeah, They're not sure. going to continuously have those, except Eastern really has. Yeah. Um, so they got back on track. They did. They did. Then UC Davis put 48 up on Cal Poly's 24. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. Um, Weber State put up 29 Southern Utah was able to get two two scores against them. So I this one's feel one. like much yeah. like you could kind of look back and say the Cats' loss eventually was coming. I feel like Weber has the same problem 
where they've they've scored some points a couple in a couple different weeks now against bad teams. So people are kind of like, oh, their offense is getting better, but they've also given up points to teams that have no business scoring on thirty-five the, quote, points. To best Idaho, yeah. te- defense in the Big Sky, <laughs> like thirty-five points to Idaho. Yeah, and Southern Utah, who is the worst team in the league, covered, 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 and so it, it it's interesting now. So you look at Weber and everyone, it, you kind of figure they're just going to go on this march. So now they go NAU at Davis. At SAC versus North Dakota, come to Montana versus Idaho State. They could drop a couple in there. I mean, if they're if their offense is going to keep doing this crap where they're getting like negative one yards a half or something, like they did against Northern Iowa, I mean, that's going to come back and bite them. You, you got to be doing better. Definitely. So, yeah, it, it will be fascinating seeing them as they move on down the road. And then we have, with the final game, Portland State putting 24 to Idaho 0. Oh, poor Idaho. <laughs> I, I, Idaho is exactly who we, I've been saying they are, and I just can't believe that everybody else isn't completely on board with this. <sighs> Portland State isn't at their level, so they didn't, work, didn't care to get up for them. Do you have a theory? Can we name this theory? We can call it reality. The Nugent paradox. You, you guys name it whatever you want, but so far it's, it's proven to be true. That's true. The most rational of the tubs at the club, Idaho podcast guys, definitely agrees with my theory. Ooh. Googling Nugent paradox doesn't turn up good results. <laughs> well, Ted is out Ted there. Ted is out there. <laughs> but the crazy thing about Portland, so Portland State, like, oh, they're hot, right? <clears throat> They've won three of the last four. They have two FCS wins. They're four and three and have two FCS wins. And they have to run the table to get to seven. Now, do they have a bye this week? Yes. They do. No. 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 They no, play no, Northern no, Colorado. No. And then do they have a bye next week before we go see them? Bye before. Nope. When's their bye? Is there, their bye is between Davis and Eastern okay. the last two weeks. I was weeks. just trying to figure yeah. out who else has a bye before they play us this year. Nobody, I don't think. I'm not sure, though. But yeah, so, um, but again, so they they beat Idaho. They're going to go to Northern Colorado. They'll win that game, and so they're going to look like this amazing. But then they uh, go to NAU. We come to town, Davis and Eastern. They might be a team that's going to look good on paper, but I, I mean, their two wins are Southern Utah and Idaho, and then they play Northern Colorado. Those are the bottom three teams but in the here, Big Sky. Right here's now. the thing: first of all, they proved last year they can beat. Oh hell yeah! Chris. Yeah, absolutely. But second of all, um, if the Grizz can beat Portland State in a few weeks and Portland State ends up being the worst team on the Grizz conference schedule this year, what a freaking gauntlet of a schedule. <laughs> right? Yeah. You know, yeah. Like, if they're four wins, I, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> okay. Um, well, I think that's... No other whole, games? No, that's it for the big sky. That was easy. And <laughs> Brent... Correctly picked all the games last Boom. week, nice and we Brent. both uh, incorrectly picked one. So what was what was the one we were different on? Cass I picked Sack? Idaho. Oh, and then Mike picked MSU. Go fight, win, Mike. Go fight, win. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> oh, sorry, I got confused. <laughs> I wasn't sure what that was for. Um, real quick, since since you know we've we've got time, you know. Um, 
where are your where are your tiers of of the Big Sky right now? Like in your power rankings, yeah. is Weber still number one? Has no. Montana passed them for yes. number one right now? Yeah. Where's Sac State in that? So uh, the Big Sky Podcast Network does their power rankings. Mm-hmm. Um, we all vote in it, I think. Mm-hmm. My vote was Montana one, Sac two, Weber three. I believe. I believe. I actually voted Sac one. Montana to Weber three. And the reason I did that is power rankings are supposed to be a moment in time. And SAC did just go on the road and beat number six, Montana state. So I gave them the credit with the number one vote this week. So, but I mean, right now that's like the top tier of the three, right? I mean, cats can, I wouldn't, you could still maybe argue cats. I wouldn't quibble with any order of those three. No. Even if you, even if someone put Montana three, yep. They all play each other. Yep. Those, these three teams all play each other. It'll work itself out. So, yeah. So the Big Sky Power Rankings. So right now, the, it was released earlier today. Big Sky Podcast Network. So Grizzlies 1, Hornets 2, Weber 3. So Hornets jumped 2, Weber sunk 1, and then Bobcats are 4. They sunk down 2. Eagles and Aggies tied at 5. And then it kind of turns into a who's who of shit teams. Mm-hmm. Bengals, Lumberjacks, Vikings. Do you guys quibble on the Aggies Eastern? I actually think that I gave Idaho State credit for being ahead of them right now. And again, I just think it's a you can make an argument for anywhere, but I feel like neither Davis or Eastern has that impressive of a win. No. And maybe Idaho State doesn't either, but Idaho State just beat North Dakota, who beat. Davis. Davis lost to Eastern. Yeah, it's kind of – but I think – do you feel like with the power ranking voting, like you just – Eastern and Davis were picked 1-2. They're expected to be talented teams. They I feel like, well yeah, on, on paper, so you feel the like talent you want to talk there. yourself into be like, well, they won again. They're back on track. Like, okay, here we go. Like, put them back in there. Yeah. I guess I, I think, like, I still think Eastern coming into to Montana in two weeks is a really tough game. You know, I think on the Eastern's a good team. So, I don't know. I, I think it's an interesting conversation. Yep. <clears throat> um, I really think that we should make this. Isn't, doesn't the Premier League soccer, <laughs> if you finish last, you get kicked out of the league? Yeah. I think the big guys should do that with the bottom three. That's amazing. Yeah. That would be fine with me. Yeah, forever. Forever? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that there's a team as complete as Montana. Out there. I mean, I kind of tend to agree with you, and I, I, I there, I've got some points jotted down um, that I guess now is a good time as any to talk about. But yeah, um, let's get into it. You know, uh, Eric Tabor tweeted out this week after the games this week had ended, which granted most of the Big Sky teams have played three conference games. Yep. Um, Grizz have only played two, but even if you look at yards per game um, and things like that, Montana is. Um, leading the league in every major offensive and defensive category. Mm-hmm. Um, conference only, right? Conference only. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Conference only. Yeah. Points per game, 52 points per game. Next closest, Idaho State at 42 points per game. Then Sac State at 41. Scoring defense, 20 points per game. Sac State next closest at 24. Then Weber State at 24.5. And yes, this varies greatly on opponents, but I would argue that the Grizz have played better opponents than Weber has. Davis and ISU. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Weber's played... Idaho, and give them thirty-eight. Southern Utah, Southern Utah and who's yeah. there? At? 
Well, they had the one that didn't count. No, because they played Northern Iowa. Eastern didn't count. Yeah, so they've only got two conference games as well. Uh, Total offense, Montana's first at 558. Eastern is second at 503. Total defense, Montana's first at 368. Portland State's second at 379. And those are conference-only stats. Granted, two to three weeks is way too early to put much stock into that. But the reason I bring it up is I feel like there's this narrative out there that the Grizz have a bad defense because they had some bad stats early on. And you could talk about who they've played and who they haven't played, but Idaho State has played three conference games. And in two of them, they have scored 50 points hmm. and put up uber yards. Yeah. Against Montana, they didn't even put up 400 and they scored 20. Right. That's a good point. Look, you look like you're struggling with it. Yeah. I, I try to, you know... you. Scrutinize and get into the weeds a little bit. Yeah. And I think if you had to circle some weaknesses on the Grizzlies team, you would say pass defense. They're so there. Far. Yeah. But if you, like if you dive into them weeds and you look at some of the the touchdowns we've given up, like we've had like broken plays mm-hmm. that have resulted in big touchdowns, and those matter because what happens on the field in game. It counts. It, and counts. it should it's count. Real. It's like I get really annoyed whenever anybody says, if you take away the running back's largest, longest run, they only average 2.6. Or... Yeah. It's like, come on. I, it, I it counted. It, <laughs> it counts. Um, that said, the ways in which most teams have made our, de- our pass defense look bad, you know, like at, at the game level, if you get into the film, they're correctable mistakes. No one has systematically taken us apart mm-hmm. uh no one has exposed a fatal weakness in us we can stop the run we can stop the pass and it brings me back to i think we might have the most complete team because sure. i don't think our our defensive run game or pass game is all that bad and i honestly think no one has a better offense than us right now i agree with that oh, yeah, I, yeah. and i will say it's like i think that you and i are on the same page on this because I'm not going to say we've got the best defense, and I'm not saying we're going to shut people out and shut them down, but I just think that series to series, our coaches are making good adjustments and we can correct things. So it's like you may beat us on a series, but we're going to come out and punch you in the mouth the next time. Like I don't think so far, knock on wood, you know, we haven't had that one thing over and over and over again. Right. And maybe the closest thing was Monmouth, honestly, <laughs> yeah. and that damn just two steps and boom, gone, you know. So hopefully we're ready for that because some people think Kevin Thompson's that guy. There was a series in the Idaho State game where Bobby decided to punt from like midfield, midfield. their side of the field. Yeah, and you know I thought you know I like to see you know like I'd like to think Bob State would have went for that, Um, and I kind of wanted him to go for it, but I thought we hadn't stopped. Yeah, we hadn't stopped ISU to this point. So let's kick the ball and make our defense show up. Well, they didn't on that drive, and that was probably (laughs) the lowest point Mm -hmm. for me in that game. Yeah, you know, but after which we know the rest. Um, They were able to turn it around, but yeah. We like Mike said, we've made adjustments on the fly, mm-hmm. and uh, credit to the coaches, credit to the players. We're a complete team, they're adjusting well, they've ironed out a lot of the concerns from last year. They're, they're they've shown some new ones, slow starts, and and early inefficiencies with pass defense, but it seems like it is getting corrected. Um, they're pretty healthy, rotating a lot of guys. 
And it's one of these things, like we talked about this last week, we've talked about this in the weeks before, it, you can't just focus on one thing. Sac State faced the Cats and said, we got to take away the run game. We got, we, they can't run the ball. Like Sac State had a comeback against NAU running the ball, what'd they say? It was like 23 times in a row. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and Sac was like, we're going to take it away. Like that, you're not going to beat us that way. Mm-hmm. And they couldn't. They, they didn't do it. And it's like, okay. Idaho State. We're going to take Jerry Lou, Louis McGee, and we're going to we're going to stack that box. We're not going to let Knight get loose on us. Okay, here's Sammy and Samori. Good luck. Yeah, <laughs> best one and two in the league. <laughs> so I mean, that's the thing. It's just like the way this team is built right now. You can't you can't just take one thing away uh, because they're 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 not one dimensional. And this is the first time the Grizz have. When was the last time it was like this diverse of a team? On offense or in general? Offense. Alone. I mean, honestly. In terms of like how to stop them. I'm like, this is going to be sacrilegious. And again, it's kind of like the QB conversation we had last week. We got to let the season play out, but I'm going to go with never. I'm not saying it's the best offense we've ever had, but. And maybe we're over crediting the run game. Could be. You know, in that conversation. But the the different types of receiving threats we have, even if the run game's not working. It's like Sulcer McGee out of the backfield or, sc- or quick screens if the run's not working. But then you've got you know all these receivers on the outside. I think the diversity of what we can throw at people. Now, not to say that those 95 and 96 offenses or even some of the Drew Miller years yep, yep. or Craig Oaks, you know, those offenses were amazing too. They just lined up and beat you. you know, yep. They had a big <clears throat> running back and they could throw the ball. But what we're what 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 the Grizz can run out on any given series or any given play is just so diverse, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. I, I agree. We'll see. It's gonna make some fun. I love um, that we have this special teams wild card to kind of throw out of our back pocket at any moment. Mm-hmm. I think that this game, probably the Sac State Grizz game, both teams are going to be able to score some points. Um, and so it's comforting to know that we can hit a home run at any moment or win a field position battle because they're afraid to allow us to take a swing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's going to come in big when it comes to field position and scoring opportunities. I, it's fascinating. Um, let's keep talking about the Grizz game, and then let's pick the pick all the games out. Yeah, let's, let's, just, let's just stick with this because <clears throat> we're in a good place. I think there's some interesting connections um, and, of course, you know, the, the fans paying attention are going to know what others might not. First of all, um, <clears throat> Sac State's new coach is a guy named Zach Taylor. Yep. Who OC. was – Coach Taylor? He was at Utah, but before Utah. he was at Utah, he was at Eastern. That's right. Um, and he coached with Bo Baldwin. Um, and so it's like you've got a lot of elements of some of those classic Bo Baldwin Eastern offenses that we just hated because it's like they could just – you talk about diverse and throwing stuff at you yeah. and coming up with stuff. Like, God, those were frustrating. So that's his background. But he had Houck actually coached together for one year. No way. I'll credit Frank Agola at the Missoulian for this, but they were on Colorado staff together in 1995. <laughs> one year. Um, but anyway, so he's back in Big Sky, and he has got Andy Thompson as defensive coordinator. DC, yep. Of course, Andy Thompson was at NAU for a long time, but it's a former Grizz player. Mm-hmm. And Andy Thompson hired Craig Polson as his uh, D-line coach. So Craig Polson, as I think everybody knows, was two different times the D coordinator here. 
Number 37. Including one of our championships. Correct. Three years. And yeah, he's the original number 37, which, by the way, there's a great article on the 37 legacy um, in in all the lead newspapers this weekend. I love that. Uh, What do you do on a Grizz bye week? Write 4,500 words in the number 37. (laughs) (laughs) But it was great. I mean, he did a good job. Um, But anyway, so so there's, you know, those connections there, and... um, that's kind of fun. So it's another set of guys who know Bobby and know this staff because yep. Paulson and Bobby and Rosie all work together at UNLV. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, interesting thing, uh, Robbie was first playing at NAU under Andy Thompson. For Andy Thompson. I, you know, probably not going to like steal a lot of secrets from it, but uh, you know, a, a little interesting, a little interesting. Well, that's a good. There. That's a good yeah. point. I mean, he spent a year in a locker room with this defensive coordinator. Well, yeah. That's I'm not, you know I don't even have that connection written down. Um, another interesting connection is Coach Hauk, and we talked about this last year on the pod as well. But Coach Hauk actually his last QB at UNLV was Kevin Thompson, Kevin Thompson yep. who as as Hauk pointed out at QB Club tonight is a sixth year junior. <laughs> how, how does that work? Uh, he's had a couple injuries, and apparently he just asked the NCAA for two more years, and they said. Sure. Why not? So he played as a freshman at UNLV, then went to a JUCO. He must have had a red shirt in there somewhere, so he must have played as a true freshman at UNLV, I would guess. I don't know. Then gets to Sac State, has missed parts of two seasons with injuries, but played last year. This is the part that I don't completely understand. Is he played last year? Well, you can't play, I think, more than a proportion, like a certain proportion of the games. But, I mean, he was still their QB when they came here? here well that was only week three or four okay, right? so maybe yeah. he got hurt and all hell went broke loose but yeah he got two more years so as how pointed out he's like he, be- he better end up with a phd when he's all said and done here because that's seven years of <laughs> they free call college doctors <laughs> <laughs> well they, a, lot of, a lot of people take seven years to get their degree <laughs> and i will say and you've you've been said this but i think if there's a qb that is closest to dalton sneed in style in the big sky conference it's Thompson. It is. You know, he's he's the, the Sac State leading rusher, takes off, definitely has designed runs, can chuck it up there. Um, yep. I mean, you, I, that's like you, you kind of break it down, right? The two top team, like, so the top tier, a lot of times you're going to pick the MVP from one of the best teams in the conference. And you're going to pick Weber's QB? Jake Constantine? No, no, Brent, I'm not. No, you're not. And so it's like, yeah, you know, Sneed's passing for 313 a game. Kevin Thompson's passing for 290 a game. Uh, Efficiency-wise, they're, they're, um, Kevin Thompson is just a 154.2. Sneed's a 153.1. I mean, these guys are, are eerily similar. Thompson runs more than Sneed. But uh, the way these guys, there's a lot of similarities between the two. But, of course... They're both Bobby Houck UNLV QB recruits, so maybe there is a reason why they're pretty similar to each other. Yeah, that's so that's valid. Have you seen pictures of Thompson? Uh, no, I have not. Should he has I? Very wide eyes. He always looks like he's like really scared or something. You know, I feel like Sac State has played with that a little bit on Twitter, but I don't have time to look up. Uh, an Idaho fan tweeted at me like last week or something, or no, two weeks ago that I because I'm tweeting. 
that Dalton needs like best QB oh. in the big sky. Don't at me. And people are like, Kevin Thompson is watching you. And like his player profile. <laughs> <laughs> well, with coach Taylor there, it's uh, wide eyes, full heart. Can't, can't lose. lose. <laughs> Can we tweet that out from Brisbane? Bot? <laughs> what? <laughs> no. We're probably walking a line talking about it. <laughs> oh, Lord. I've Lord, never seen Lord. the man, but the joke writes itself. Oh no! Oh boy! Um, but Hauk said last year after the Sac State game, and we we joked about it. But he said that Sac State was the most talented team we had faced up to that point, and then they got decimated by injuries and went two and eight. Coach gets fired. Um, Probably the best thing that happened to him, though. Honestly. Yeah. <laughs> but he still feels that way, and it's like Elijah Dotson. He's said publicly that he thinks he's the best running back in the Big Sky. Yep. I mean, they have talent. I think they have always had talent. They just haven't been able to mesh it together with the coaching staff. Oh, wow. <laughs> picture of Kevin Thompson. Brent has showed it, <laughs> pulled up a picture of old Kev. His eye, old Kev's eyes are wider than uh, Macaulay Culkin's on Home Alone. That Kevin. Oh, ah! oh Lord, wow. Lord, Lord. No? <laughs> Do you know, this reminds me of a conversation I had. Um, this is going to be completely random, but do you guys know who the Missoula character is, the octopus? Yeah. Oh, I've heard of him. I, I mean, I don't. Eccentric man with what appears to be like a Soviet bloc country accent, and he's a phenomenal chess player. He's got a Missoula public access TV show called. Uh, the octopus versus the allies where it's just like a bunch of dudes sitting around talking about or like playing a game of chess against the octopus who's in another room like and someone's running the chess moves back and forth to one another (laughs) but i ran into him in an albertson's i've known about him for 10 years now and uh we just like kind of turned an aisle and almost ran into each other and i was like oh excuse me i was like hey I watch your TV show sometimes, um, and I appreciate your chess skills. And he's like, oh, well, thank you. (laughs) And, you know, he's like, did you once play for the Grizzly football team? And I was like, no, 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 no. I'm an intramural legend, but I never donned the the jersey. But, I mean, Luke is a good-looking built man. Like, I can see how people would think this. (laughs) Thank you, Mike. (laughs) And I was like, I'm a big, you know, Grizz fan, though. And he started talking, uh, like, he gave some real cogent analysis on the Grizzly uh, from a couple of years ago. And he did not like Brady Gustafson. <laughs> and he goes, he goes, you can tell a lot by the look in a man's eyes. <laughs> and when you look in Brady Gustafson's eyes, you see fear. <laughs> so There's Grizz, fear in Kevin Thompson's Grizz eyes. Fan, Todd, I want you to take the octopus's advice. <laughs> And look into Kevin Thompson's eyes this weekend. <laughs> Maybe you should track down the octopus and get his read on this team. Dude, he went into like he went and started talking about the NFL and like Andrew Luck and like he was great. We spent probably twenty minutes in Albertsons talking about football. I don't, none of this surprises me. No, yeah, no, nothing. No, no. Um, anyway, so, all right. So Sac State is talented. <laughs> so Sac State. Um, yeah. So how somebody said last year couple things about Sac State. So they just cracked the uh, Stats FCS poll finally. They're like number 17. 
Yeah. Which, when was the last time Sac State was ranked? Did they I get don't know. Were they ranked two years ago when they were kind of the darling of the Big Sky surprise team? No, I don't think so. I don't know if they got there. I, I don't think so. I thought I saw a tweet about this from Frank Gogola about when Sac State was last ranked. Maybe this is the first time ever, in fact. No, no, no. They went to a playoff. They had a playoff game. First time in eight years, according to eight Sacramento years. B. Okay. So that would have been 2011. So there you go. Sac State is humble in its football ascent. Hey, shout out to the Hornet House. That guy's a good follow. Yeah, I agree. And he's so kind of fun to watch right now because he's like, I want to argue that we should be higher, but I'm just so excited to see our number in front of our team. (laughs) I mean, like piling on with content, but, uh, you know, the talk last week was about just like how shitty the uh, current FCS polls, especially the coaches polls are. And so that comes out. Montana State stays above SAC, even though they lost to SAC um, and, and all sorts of things like that. I think I saw Hero Sports, who releases their own, had SAC at eight. Or something like that, like eight or nine, like top ten. Which, wow. but they also had them at like sixteen or seventeen last week after beating Eastern Washington, not also receiving votes. Yeah. So, yep. um, yeah. I mean, it's going to be a hell of a game. Uh, it, it's crazy. You look at the two side by side. Uh, Sack passes like let's round up. Sack passes for three hundred a game. Rushes for one fifty a game. Grizz pass for. 330 a game, rush for 165 a game. So we're really similar teams. We both have pass defenses that have looked a little suspect, and we have rush defenses that look pretty good. It's interesting for for how good people think Elijah Dotson is. They really haven't ran the ball. No. Because it's like, you know, we rush for more than them, but if you ask the average fan right now, it's like we have a good running game in the sense that it's better than it was last year, yep. but it's definitely not our go-to offensive play. Elijah Dotson's averaging 38 yards a game on the ground. So it's like you kind of wonder, two if like, is he a sleeping giant? Like, are, like, are they going to try and do something different this week and like run run it over our gut? Wolf. Uh, yeah, I mean, maybe. He's 253 on the year. Uh, well, a net of 226. Uh, two touchdowns. Uh, yeah, so, and 62 touches. Compare that to Marcus Knight, 94 touches. 447 eight touchdowns so Knights averaging almost 75 a game Dotson 37.7 but then you flip it over Dotson has 39 catches holy crap for 437 yards and three touchdowns um God, he's gonna get 80 catches on backfield there's only one Grizz with more catches than Dotson and that's Sammy who has one more 40 this is like so they, Madden they do 95 a lot of screens a lot of screens yeah this is Madden 95 like the running, the halfback pass was unstoppable. <laughs> so, um, UM, we jumped to what? Six? Six. Five so or six. I five or six, depending on five. which, which yeah. point you're looking at. So, this is the third FCS ranked team Sac State will play this year Eastern row. Washington, U- MSU, and now UM, three weeks in a row. They are two and oh so far, <laughs> coming off a it's huge win yeah. on the road to follow up their big win over Eastern. So now they come back home to play number six. Are they due for a letdown? God, I hope so. Bobcat hangover. The cats say it's real. Well, I think this is going to be their toughest matchup so far three weeks in a row. I would agree. I I think, like, Eastern's defense has proven itself to be really bad 
in all facets of the games. Uh, and and they were playing – they were missing a bunch of guys. Cats can't pass the ball. So this is this is Sack's toughest test for sure. The thing that concerns me – and it's like that game was only 21-14 at half. So it's it's not like in the first half Sack was all over him. But, right, right, right. Um, the thing that concerns me is is MSU's got a pretty decent D-line. Yeah. And they've got that Stark or whatever. Stark. Who, you know, gets to the QB. And they were able Kevin Thompson was able to do some damage. So yeah. it's like I'm not I'm not gonna I like our D line. I think they're gritty and tough. I don't know that they're better than the Cats. So our secondary is gonna need to step up. Yeah, they are. They really are. Um yeah, and that's uh, the crazy thing. I, I think what what stands out more to me about Sacramento, like they they've got a couple of receivers. Uh, this uh, what's this guy's name? Like Pierre Pierre Williams or something. Um, and Isaiah Gable. They got a couple guys that do a few kind of nice things that are that are big prospects in this game. But what's funny is is someone who for years and years and years has looked at team stats and put scouting reports together based on a lot of statistical stuff. Andy Thompson, de- Andy Thompson defenses never have a Dante Olson. They don't have like a guy with seventy tackles or a hundred tackles at the end of the season. It's like they come from like it's guys from all over the place, and that's the same thing this year. Like their leading tacklers got forty-one Hawkins, and then Perryman has thirty-eight, and Bruce with thirty, and then they've got like five. They got six other guys with twenty or more tackles, but this uh, this. George Obina, who got another year this year, dude's got six and a half sacks. He's got two fumble recoveries. He's got a touchdown. I mean, this guy probably – I mean, him and Sterk are the two best defensive ends in the conference. And this Sacramento defensive front, probably the best in the big sky. Yeah. I mean, they went up against – like He was disruptive against MSU. Yeah. And Sterk – in that game, I think was a little quieter. So, I mean, I think this is the uh, it, it, tough to totally say, but like of these last six games, the Grizz have we're playing the three best D lines in the conference. Do you think the Grizz will do anything special to scheme for him, or do you think they'll just block, try to put, block him straight up? I think this is going to be Cook's first big test. Yeah. Um. I also wonder when Cook is going to switch to left tackle, but maybe this is the game coming <laughs> this out of bye week. The game, yeah. I mean, I, I, I just really believe that. So, I, I think do you switch him against? I think the, the toughest it depends opponent? on where the guy's lining up, but I think Cook is the best tackle. Yep. Okay. But it I'm, just seems like a baptism by fire to throw him in against this dude. You're right over there. I'm not going to criticize players. <laughs> <laughs> I just think Cook is our best tackle. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. But I, I mean and that's and um so Obina yeah, wears Kynes is our second best tackle. There you go. Uh Obina wears ninety nine, so watch a lot of ninety nine, but you also got ninety five, uh uh Chotes of all names, but uh plural. But he's got more tackles for a loss than Obina does by a half. But so it's like this D line it's not just one guy. And that's that's like the thing. So we talk about you can't just focus on one guy and the Grizz offense you can't focus on one guy on the sack d line but here's the thing if we leave our tight end to block we still have three good weapons at wide receiver and a running back and a running yep. back i was thinking last year when our offensive line was was more shaky 
we want a double tight end look sometimes. <laughs> you know, like we kind of had to pull out some some tricks. And it worked the second half of the season. Our, yeah, and I, I'm I'm thinking we haven't run a lot of it this year. That hasn't been our primary like set. But maybe this guy is so disruptive that we see some of this. But I also wonder if we're not going to see a lot of fake fly sweeps to Sulcer and or Jerry Lou McGee with an occasional getting them the ball because I think that causes the DNs to be honest. Because if they're running every time and they know every once in a while that guy's getting it, like I think that's a game changer for that outside pressure because they have to, they can't jump the count. They have to watch and see, Sure, you know. I'm thinking third and long. (laughs) You know, third and eight. The You're best, not running the best a fly way to sweep. avoid third and eight is to have a good first and second. <laughs> oh, <laughs> really? I, I mean, I'm auditioning for Monday Night Football. <laughs> good job, Booger. Uh, so, <laughs> um, fair. It, it, it's crazy because, like, you you look at the two. You look at Montana. You look at Sack statistically, and the amount of similarities. Like, um, they're neck and neck in terms of turnover margin. Grizzard plus three, Sacks plus four. Uh, red zone offense scoring. Montana's seventh in the conference, Sack is sixth. Um, red zone defense, Sack is statistically, of all games, not just conference games, the best. So um, there, there's so many things where these teams share so many crazy similarities. It, it's it, it's going to be a fascinating game because, like, like Mike had talked about earlier, it's not a sack is not a whole bunch of new coaches brand new to the job. There's a lot of familiarity here again. And this is going to be this is going to be a hell of a game. I'm super interested to see what sort of schemes we cook up on defense because you may have to spy Thompson a little bit. Oh, you have to. Yeah, I think you have to. But then you've got this running back out of the backfield that catches yeah. more than he Dotson. runs. Yeah. And so maybe, though, the way we have this extra, like, safety out mm-hmm. there. Yeah. I was gonna say added that, yeah. speed. Yep. You know, maybe that works to our advantage. Maybe this isn't a, a defensive matchup that Sac State's accustomed to or used to. I think that's that's going to be one of the interesting aspects to this because of the way the Grizz defense, where we've got two corners and three safeties on the field almost all the time. Um so you're going to be able to probably dedicate a, depending on the side of the field, uh, Robertson or a Hauk to being able to keep an eye on Dotson, and then uh, Jason and Dante, making sure Thompson doesn't get too loose on us. So, um, yeah, it should be a hell of a game. I, I mean, this is this is such a tough one because it's like everything is kind of side by side. Sack has a couple weaknesses, you notice. Like, so we looked at their pass defense. Um, they're allowing 380 per game through the air, passing on average this far in. And so, um, wait, Sacramento. Say that again. Sacramento is allowing 380 per game passing. So, this is what I love about Grizz Nation. <laughs> How is that not a bigger thing? I mean, Grizz are allowing 420. We have 420 <laughs> passing, passing per game. Yeah. Wait, wait, wait. Let me let me make sure I'm reading my stats right. No, they're not. No, they're not. I apologize. They're... 296. Maybe I'm reading the wrong stats. See, this is some. This is okay. 277. Okay. I apologize. Okay. Three like, 380s are total. That, 380s are total. I, thank you. I was like, that is. Yep, I went a little off key there. I apologize. Looking at the wrong number there. But I mean, still 280 per game through the air. Yeah. So I mean, that's not 
And so where Montana has been kind of trending downward, getting under 300 allowed per game now with a couple strong showings, uh, sack, well, I guess the Cats, but the Cats can't pass for shit, so I don't know what that means. Uh, although Cats kind of got some passing game going kind of late. Garbage time, having to chuck the ball around a whole bunch. Yeah, but um, Sacramento also has the best kick coverage unit in the conference. Interesting. So, you know, another strength on strength. I mean, so, um, again, we've had a lot of teams where, oh, Jerry could get loose or Malik could get loose. And not saying they couldn't on this, but, again, this is another team that's shown great discipline on special teams, and that's been something – especially in the last couple of weeks. And well, in some of our non-conference too, it was like there were special teams opportunities. And this time there, there does not appear to be those special teams opportunities. Um, Sacks defense though is allowing third down or allowing third down conversions. I mean, about a third of the time and converting about 50% of the time, <laughs> excuse me, Grizz are allowing a little bit more. But converting a little bit more, I mean, it's it's just crazy. There, there's not a lot of points of a lot of exploited weaknesses outside of potentially passing game. But SAC fans could look at the same stats with us and say the same thing. So um, I like our receiver core and our total passing game battery way better than Sacramento's. They kind of just have one receiver and then Dotson. And some other guys, but like they're they're kind of more of a couple guys where we're we're a whole stable. So um, that'll be interesting to see. But um, I think it's an interesting yeah. exercise to imagine your uh, the Sac State podcast that like doesn't exist. <laughs> Sac State podcast, <laughs> and then say like, what are we gonna do to stop the Grizz? We yeah. al- we allow a ton of yards through the air, and this is the best passing attack we've ever seen. Um, but we've talked about this. What's 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 the best way to help your pass defense? Get pressure on the quarterback. Pressure on the QB. Sure. They got they got and they got the best D line in the conference. And I think I think that probably is the key is whoever wins. And this you could probably this could probably be said for ninety nine percent of football games. Sure. Whoever wins the turnover battle is going to win this game, maybe. Because if Sac State can force some strike for strike, yeah. Or some interceptions can strip, fumble, sneed, or something because they're getting pressure on them. Mm-hmm. Um, catch us off guard. It could be a long day for the Grizz. Oh yeah. But you know, Sneed's been pretty good with the ball this year. He's been better. He's he's settled down. He opened a little, you know, a little shaky. But yeah, Sneed's got four picks. Thompson's got four picks. Nineteen. <laughs> yeah. yeah. These guys are uh, like the it, same guy. Thompson's. Thompson's passed for 19 touchdowns and rushed for five. Uh, Sneed's passed for 15 and rushed for four. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's like it's it's crazy. It's it's like that Spider Man. This is Spider Man cartoon meme Sneeds, where they're pointing at each other. Sneeds aren't overinflated by a drop down game though. Solid point. Aren't Sa- doesn't Sacks have a win over a drop down? Yeah, an NAIA school. Yeah. I do believe. I do believe. Asterix. <laughs> Southern yeah, Oregon, a Mike's seventy-seven to nineteen win week one. Weekly over. comment about how we should but all be scheduling FCS opponents. I th- we should because Sac State <laughs> is look look at Sac State is ranked seventeen. They're on this run. If they lose one game, they're toast. They're basically toast. Well, and maybe, Sac State maybe. probably beats you know either of the teams we played. Oh yeah, yeah. And I get it's a financial thing, but 
those NAI games aren't financial things. I mean, you could, especially in California, you could find, get San Diego to come. Yeah. I mean, I. <laughs> yeah, so they, uh, and, and of course, I think a lot of people have, Sac State started to catch the, their attention because, like, Sac State lost to Arizona State. Where are they ranked this week? Are they ranked? Who? Did they, Arizona State? Are they in the top 20? They lost Arizona State 7-19. to Arizona State chucked a deep touchdown late fourth quarter to stretch it out. They went to Fresno State. They lost by 14. Fresno, I don't know. That might be Fresno's only win. They're not great this year. But, again, two FBS schools on the road and and week two for Arizona State. So it wasn't like the I mean, two weird... is better than one. But we've yeah. had this conversation before. The Big Sky every year has these teams that – athlete-wise match up occasionally and, and play an FBS tough, and then we're all like, all right, they're the second coming, and then they fall freaking flat on their face. I don't think Sack's going to do that. I'm not saying they're going to do it, but I yeah. just... I no, mean, I'm with like, you. I'm with you. I get that. Yeah, that happens every year. You got Arizona State's ranking? 17 in both the AP and the coaches. 17th? Yeah. 5-1. and one. Yeah. So... And they're better than Michigan, who's 16th. <laughs> A lot of people are better than Michigan. Yeah, I, Michigan. Let's not go Michigan. You keep finding teams to like equate to who is like the northern Iowa of the FBS. And like Michigan and Texas are, I, I feel like, the northern Iowa of the FBS. So, um, hell of a game. I This is, this is going to be something where uh, we talked about this, though. So, here's maybe a weakness. Sac State has to kick a field goal to win the game. They've not made a field goal this year. They've only attempted three. But my counter to that was, <laughs> yeah, it, but my counter to that was, had the Portland State guy made a field goal and then he like nails no, Cal Poly, a fifty. Cal Poly, Cal Poly. Oh, yeah, that's no, right. like Portland last State year, yeah, yeah. Sorry, yeah, against us, they nails that fifty plus yard field goal. Here's the reason why you don't bet on college sports is because you've got like because it's illegal to twenty three year olds. Or if you're Sac State, 24 and 25. Yeah, or, or, we were or if you're Tyler Keller and you're 27 or something. Um, but my we point is... kids. Imagine this is going to be their biggest game of the year, and this dude hasn't made a field goal. He hasn't so much as kicked beyond, you know, like 18 yards all season. So here's his misses, too. You think like, oh, he just missed a couple 50-yarders. 21, 32... 34. The shank man. Man, he, like, attempt, he missed kicking the field goal all year. He missed two against UNC. He missed one against Eastern. He didn't kick a field goal against Southern Oregon, Arizona State, Fresno State, or Montana State. Do you remember, was it Texas Tech who <laughs> crowd, like, they were having problems like seven or eight years ago with their kicker, and they had uh, just almost randomly – they were doing this halftime promotional with the student body for like kicking, you know, field goals. And it was like week to week, you could advance through a bracket. And at the end, like some kid got tuition or something for free. But there's some dude who was like an all conference high school kicker who just was like, I didn't feel like playing college football. <laughs> I just want to like go to school at ASU where women wear sunskirts like 12 years, 12 months, 12 years actually, out of the month, 12 yeah. years out of the month. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he, he was solid and the coach ended up offering him a spot in season saying like, nice. I've, 
I've seen enough. <laughs> I've seen enough. You're better than the guy we have. Come kick field goals. Like, this is what Sac State's going to have to do. <laughs> well, I mean, Bobby had to do that. We had Mike Farader kicking some extra points one year, didn't we? <laughs> Mike Farader was a really good athlete. <laughs> Kicked a few extra points. <laughs> so, here's a question for you. Obviously, I mean, there's pressure on the Grizz because it's just like overcoming the history of the last seven years or so. Yeah. Every week, proving that you're for real. This mm-hmm. is a tough test. It's on the road. Mm-hmm. There, this team's got all kinds of momentum. So there's obviously pressure on the Grizz. Is there more pressure on Sac State? Boy, they've never been here before. That's what I'm saying. Definitely. You know, it's like they've never been here before. New coach, proving that you're real. Are they just? I mean, I. It's it's tough to say. Like the Grizz. They haven't been to the playoffs. They haven't been in the top 10 at this point in the season in four or five years. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if either team really feels all that much pressure in the sense that a lot of like, sacks in foreign territory much more further removed than the Grizz are. Uh, we've got a staff with presumably a lot more familiarity of being in this type of position. Mm-hmm. You talked about this. They're staying in the same hotel. I mean, yeah. it's like this is that, like a repeat it's, it's trip. It's essentially the same trip as UC Davis. They're yeah. the same hotel. They're just taking the bus a different direction. <laughs> Leaving at the same time, you know, same plane into the same airport, same hotel, just a shorter <laughs> bus ride. So, I mean, I think you can look at a lot of those things where – they're, yeah, they're, they the Sacramento staff might feel, and, and players, too, might feel a little bit more uh, pressure. The other thing I was kind of thinking about, too, um, I've actually heard Bobby talk about this in prior years, sometimes when you got to play a team twice in one season, which we're not, but um, that sometimes you have a hard time taking a team as seriously the second time around. And I think I remember him telling us this in – Hi, yeah, Siri. Um, in 2008, when we played Weber again, and everyone was worried, oh, Weber's gonna Weber beat us. They they killed us. And Bobby said it's really hard to do the same thing against a team twice. Last year when we played SAC, it was a hell of a game. It was a battle. Kevin Thompson, Elijah Dotson, Georgia Binna. I mean, it was like all the SAC studs that are they studs were there. This year. That's a good point. And it was a hell of a game. It wasn't a game where the Grizz like kicked the shit out of them. Didn't we beat them by like three or seven? No, or we something? beat them by like eleven, but it was it, it late. Was a, it was a yeah. tight game the whole way, and we came out of it with Bobby saying it was the best team we played this year so far and the best game we played, and and with pre profound respect for the team. So mm-hmm. I don't think the Grizz are coming to this team this game. Like maybe the Cats did last week or Eastern the week before, thinking it's Sac State. They're just lucky. They're typically shit. We should be good. Play our game. We'll win the game. I think the Grizz are going to come in like we played these guys last year when they were at their peak skill with a much worse coaching coaching staff at that time. And it was a hell of a dogfight. So we know what we're getting into. Exactly. I mean, and that's the point I'm trying to make is I don't think the Grizz are going to overlook Sac State because it's not in Bobby's DNA and he knows too many guys on that staff. Yeah. Um, for that to be a thing. But that, I mean, that's kind of what I'm getting at is like if number six Montana's coming in and they're not overlooking you and you're ranked in the, for the first time that any of them have been there, you know, eight years, like I, I do think there's pressure there to prove that they're worth it. So, yes. Sorry. I started looking ahead at the questions we're getting from Egress and for the question section. So I'm, when you guys are ready, I'm I, ready to be done. I just think that. I just think this is a must-watch game. Like, oh, it's 
You, there's fascinating matchups. This is the one where Root Sports wishes they could flex a game. Yeah, and go grab this one instead of... <laughs> who do they get in? I don't know who they have. It's probably whoever Eastern's Where playing, can right? we watch this game? So it's on SWX. Oh, hey, yeah, perfect. So um, it's either SWX or ABC Fox. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Grizz, grizz, buzz, buzz. That's what I know. <laughs> um, we'll pick the game in a minute, um, but... Uh, let's pick the rest of the Big Sky. Let's do what it. What do we got this week? We have Portland State traveling to Northern Ooh. Colorado. Root Sport has the Battle of the Domes this week. Ugh. Idaho, Idaho State. Well, you know. <sighs> who's who's the home team in that game? I don't Idaho. know. Idaho. Idaho. We'll, we'll talk about that in a few minutes. Wolf. All right. So Portland State at Northern Colorado. Yep. Uh, Portland State. PSU. PSU for sure. Then we have North Dakota. So, side note, Ernest Collins, who we've talked about on this, must sounds like a really nice guy. Best job in sports outside of Tanaka's interpreter because <clears throat> he's got a contract for like 2022, and they ain't firing him because they don't have the money to buy him out. So, <laughs> it doesn't matter. Ah, oh, what a great guy. Uh, shout out to Aaron Best there, uh, that comes on to Big Sky Big Takes a few times. Mm-hmm. They, they say great. They say he does a lot of great stuff there. I mean, so I he's mean, a good guy. Sometimes, like, you have kind of crap coaches that are just crap people, but it sounds like Collins is a good dude. So, yeah. But I don't know. If you're a color commentator for UNC, I doubt you're not going to say he's a, It's not like, it's like Riley Corker. Is Riley going to come on here and be like, you know terrible. what, Bobby is shit. Yeah, <laughs> Riley's probably not going to do that. Yeah. yeah. Okay, then we have North Dakota is visiting Cal Poly. That's an interesting one. I think North Dakota's going to win that. I'll go Poly. Ooh. North Dakota. I don't even know Mike. who Polly's QB is. Do Rams get hurt? Hopefully not. <laughs> Polly for Brent. <laughs> I'm well researched on and this. And North Dakota for <laughs> Luke. <laughs> After your undefeated or wow, your perfect wow. week last. <laughs> I'm gonna bat and over. Um, following game. UC Davis goes to Southern Utah. Davis. Yeah, Davis. These are the, that's the slam dunk of the week. <laughs> then we have Northern Arizona going to Weber. Ooh. I mean, I guess I'm going to go out there and say that if NAU couldn't beat MSU on the road, I don't think NAU is going to beat Weber on the road. Yeah. But Weber's the, <clears throat> NAU's the type of team that I think Weber is susceptible to. I think... If a team can find a find a hole in their defense and score points, I don't think Weaver can keep up. So, I think Weaver's going to win, but it's an interesting game. Heavy rain, upper forties. Weaver's going to win. <laughs> That's the weather report per Google. Um, Man, I think Weaver will win, but if that point spread is double digits, I will take NAU to beat the spread. I took Southern Utah last week to beat the spread, and I fucking nailed that. I'm calling trap game. Ooh, ooh, and just because it's boring when we all pick the same teams, um, NAU is going to win. Ooh. Trap game. They're better than people give them credit for, and uh, <coughs> this is going to really mix up the big sky. Like it. Then we have Idaho State going to Idaho. 
Mike thinks Idaho's okay. going to win because they're going to play up. So no. According to the Nugent this, Paradox. No, 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 no. Snap into the no. Nugent Paradox. Because We're in the Nugent he's, Paradox. He's like, <laughs> Idaho, Idaho thinks they belong with Boise State, not Idaho State. I think Idaho State's going to win this game. The, the caveat would be maybe it's a rivalry of sorts and they'll get up for it. Yeah. I think Idaho State's going to win this game because, again, I think this is a, t- a team that the guys on the Idaho roster right now think – we have no business being in this game with them. See, I think Idaho State has proven themselves to be a legitimate team. Mm-hmm. Idaho Idaho sees that. Yep. And uh, Tubbs in the club uh, contributor, Brian Marceau, also Big Sky Podcast Network contributor, Brian Marceau, he says that that's clearly their rival. This is the game that everyone on Idaho needs to ring the bell for. Ding! They're going to do it. And every game for them is a must-win. In an era where a team cannot play against dog shit football teams, but gets up to play teams <laughs> that they know they should play against. <laughs> you have entered the Nugent Paradox. The Nugent Paradox. <laughs> Bound but here's the thing. Even if Idaho wins this weekend, I still buy my theory. So anyway. Okay, so Mike picks ISU. <laughs> Brent? Yeah, fuck it. Idaho. <laughs> <laughs> so th- we buy into the Nugent Paradox more than he does. No, but I'm saying that, I- I'm saying that you guys are overstating that they like Idaho State. Like, I, I, they do not, I, nobody in Idaho thinks that Idaho State is a peer. I don't care what Brian Marceau thinks. <laughs> oh, Ask the other tubs at the club guys that are contemplating Chris killing Hammond, themselves yeah. on Twitter every week. <laughs> Ooh, all right. And that leaves us then with Montana, Sac State. I'm not going first. What? <laughs> I, I think UM wins this game. They're a better team. Now, here's the thing. If they lose this game... It's it's uh, would be an overreaction yep. to say their season's yep. over. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, they could still get a seed and a bye if in, they lost this game. In fact, yeah. it wouldn't surprise me if they lost the game. But I think they're going to win this game because they're a more complete team. I think that we have too many weapons to shut down. Uh, I don't think we're going to turn the ball over. I think our special teams is is probably the best in the FCS. Um, our coaching staff has the ability to make adjustments on the fly. For all these reasons, um, UM is gonna is really gonna wake up probably everyone to show yeah, yeah. <clears throat> that they're legit. I mean, people think they're legit already, but I mean, I think I think that how good UM plays against Sac State will tell us where we are as a team for this yeah. season. Yeah. And I'm not going to overreact if we lose because we can still accomplish a lot of good things if we lose. But um, I think the Grizz are going to pull it out. Yeah, I'm with you. I think Grizz are going to get it done. I think uh, I have I've tried to talk myself into can SAC get this done, and yeah, they can. Yeah, absolutely. But um, two weeks to prepare. Well rested. Good point. We are not beat up. Um. And I think I, I what I I think the Grizz have done enough 
where they show so many different things on film week in and week out, especially now that we're into conference play, that we are going to be able to attack Sacramento and maybe try to expose some perceived strengths. And um, I'm, I'm in. I'm a believer. I'm there. I think we're going to get it done. Um, I think what Grizz are one and a half point favorites. I thought I saw or something. It's like pretty narrow, but I think, uh, I think, I think this is going to be one where they, they come out of there feeling good with a win. And then we can start freaking out about an Easter Washington, like the letdown game, but, uh, I'll go Grizz. All right. There we have it. We differ subtly again, but (laughs) on the Nugent paradox, I think it'll be impossible for us to tie or, you know, it won't be impossible for us to tie, but yeah. it's, unli- it's unlikely given our picks. All right. All right. Okay. So, for those of you who only want to talk football and only serious football, thanks for listening. Well, we're going to diverge. We've but got our questions. I will tell you, the question segment has great no. football content in it. Really quick, I need to talk about real estate, Mike. <laughs> Here's the thing. Stop me when I'm wrong. <laughs> Real realtors are charlatans. Okay, you're uh, wrong. You're wrong. Wrong. Why am I wrong? Tell me. Tell me why. I'm not. You're not. No, gonna... Mike. No, I'm just trying to get you to talk about no your guys' sponsorship of this pod because you didn't <laughs> you do it last week. That? I was hoping to get you angry because I know when you're angry, <laughs> you start talking. Uh... <laughs> tell me about where you guys work and what you guys do. I'm Brent Wahlberg. I'm a realtor with Windermere Real Estate here in Missoula. I'm Mike Nugent. I'm a realtor with Berkshire Hathaway. And you guys are sponsoring the pod. We are. We are. What's What's new in the real estate world? Why aren't you guys charlatans? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it depends on what your definition is. Because I'm a humorous guy, so there's that. I mean, you guys are don't really make fun? anything. I don't know. You guys don't really. You are you are on thin ice. Buddy. You just you are on. Thin you guys ice. just like sell a product that people could sell on their own. <laughs> Talk to me about why you're important, Mike, oh and why God. we should call you. Oh my God! Yes, Mike. Why hey, Mike. You? I'm thinking about selling my home, and I'm like, f the realtors. Okay, so I'll tell you about my day today. <laughs> <laughs> This morning, Brent bait taken. <laughs> this morning, I helped one of our agents negotiate a uh, potential easement because a fence line is a fence is not on the property line. Yep. So I had to work with a lawyer to write up a contract. Deal would have terminated had a realtor not been involved. We knew how to solve it. Um, after that, I spent time in a crawl space of one of my listings. Fun lifestyles of the. Uh, glamorous. Um, I don't know what else. Yeah. Um, what else did I do today? Um, I showed a house because that's all realtors do. We show houses. That's all we do. Nothing else. All day long. Um, then I went back to my office and prepared a detailed report of why that house was overpriced and it would be a mistake for my investor clients to buy it. Okay. Explaining them market stats, research, projecting into the future a little bit, and also talking about investments. Looking at property research, like is it in the floodplain? What are its utilities? You know, and what are things that are going on? What is type it of financing in a are you floodplain, Mike? We're in the bottom of a former lake. <laughs> there are lots of different levels Duh. of floodplain here, but 
today I assisted a local business in not getting price gouged by a building owner so they can expand their local domain across the area. Okay. By using data that they did not have access to unless otherwise brought to by a realtor. I also, we talked about two weeks ago, showed a house with a fucking bomb shelter in it. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so what you're telling me is realtors are essential. We are. And you guys are pretty good at it. I forgot something else I did today. Another agent who had a a deal where at the last second, the sellers decided they were going to dig up the clothesline and take it with them. Ooh, nice. Well, guess what? That's not allowed. Yeah. It's part of the contract. Stays with the house. Oh. Because it's permanently attached to the real property. Who uses a clothesline I, still? Get that shit out of my backyard. Funny. I know. A lot but of I'm new neighborhoods don't allow it. But you know what I, what I did tonight? No. I learned that Luke's a piece of shit. Yes. <laughs> That's what I did tonight. Okay. <laughs> it's only taken 15 years. <laughs> I will years. tell you. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, One more thing. I saved someone $15,000 on a purchase by providing them data on a house that they loved and were prepared to pay a full price for, and we got it down $15,000. Okay. Saved them some money. Saved them some scratch. Listen, you guys, you're welcome (laughs) that I pulled this out of you, because you were prepared not to talk about how valuable (laughs) both of you are. (sighs) Look, I don't really know what you do. In a full sense, like I just want to be like, so what do you do at <laughs> your job in that one place <laughs> where you see these people in this location? <laughs> that's fair. That's, <laughs> that's fair. <laughs> but you bought the beer tonight, so, yeah. Uh, so yeah. your your boss is my neighbor. That's all I'm gonna say. <laughs> <laughs> got my eyes on you. Let's move on to the listener questions here. We have a shit ton now. We came into this. I came. I I, I realized. I got a message from um, a guy who lives in Portland, uh, Chris uh, Caprio, and he was um, shot me a question. And we had like one question before we fired this up, and then we put it on Twitter. We put it on Negris, and I think we're well stocked. We got plenty of good questions. Well, since Chris was the first to ask, I think we'll go first okay. come first serve. Uh, let's see. Question: Do you think Dalton Sneed has a place at the next level, NFL or Canadian, or any of the new leagues? Except the XFL, because he thinks it's going to be garbage. Does and Snead what have are a the shot? New leagues, because the other league shut down mid-season. Yeah, so that's right. Yeah, I, I, I will Canadian? say CFL. Absolutely, I think he has a chance. Definitely. I don't. I don't know that he can make all the throws you need to make to be an NFL quarterback. And you know, as great of an athlete as he is, I think that he'd have to be more of a passer. Um, in the NFL, but maybe he could. I don't know. I, I, I think CFL is more realistic. I think CFL is a pretty uh, – I mean, and it's it's tough to say we're halfway through the season. If he continues on the trajectory that he's on, he's going to be top five, top ten vote-getter for MVP. He's going to get some looks and some chance. I mean, for FCS like mm-hmm. Walter Payton. And CFL shot makes sense. And the CFL is full of former Big Sky Conference QBs. Yeah. Little, I think he's a pro. Little, uh, little, you know, little birdie told me there was a couple scouts that came to look at Dante, but started falling in love with a certain QB in an mm. out of conference game. Cam Humphrey, huh? Yeah. Oh, okay. Wow. A little Case Keenum comparison. Huh. But Case Keenum kind of sucks. 
But he's in the NFL. But still, he's got made several million bucks in the get NFL. Those, get so. those checks. Get those dollars, Dalton. <laughs> I'm behind you. So that's what I got. You want to do the Twitter ones? And I'll jump um, in. You do a Twitter we, one, I'll do an E-Grizz I got one. a couple things texted in here first. Um, oh, God. After the bye week, do the Grizz come out um, on fire, fired up, or flat? And historically, how have Bobby Houck's teams performed following buys? We researched So, that. Luke, you did some research. We did some research. <clears throat> um, it looks like... Bobby is six and two after the buys as a Grizz as a coach. Grizz coach, and one of the seasons we didn't have a buy because we started the season with a, with a buy, yeah. but we won that. But we won, so maybe <laughs> seven and two, you know. Um, and how it breaks down is in two thousand three we won versus Idaho. Two thousand four we lost to Portland State on the road. Brent, what happened in two thousand four? I believe we went to a national title game that year and didn't lose another game after that Portland All State the reasons loss. more to not overreact if the Grizz happen to lose this weekend. Yep, that's right. 2005, we beat Weber State. 2006, we beat Sac State in week three, with a, or after a week three bye. Uh, 2007, uh, we beat Albany after yeah. a week three bye. And the 2008 year is the year we didn't have a bye. 2009, what happened? We won. Yeah, we won. We didn't, we didn't lose a regular season game. We so, went undefeated. Yeah. And then last year, we, of course, lost. Um, we we lost to North Dakota, had a bye, and then lost to UC Davis. Oh, Ouch. Rough. So 6-2, six, 7-2. Six and 0-1 and oh and uh, heading into this one, right? Yeah. yeah. Technically, I mean, they did ask for Bobby's whole career, so his yeah. C7 and 5 coming off of bias for his career. Um, UNLV... Not as good of a program. Not as good. Yeah. yeah. That's Apple's Come off a buy and go play USC. Yep. So do they come out <laughs> fired up or flat? Here's the thing. I think, and we just got done talking about this a little bit, I think it, there are teams that Bobby Houck is kind of obsessed with, and Sac State seems to be one of them. Since he came back to the league, he's been talking about how much talent they've got. Yeah. He knows people on that coaching staff. I think that that's a motivator. Um, you know, Robbie knows people on that coaching staff. A couple other players know some other guys on that coaching staff. So it's like, I think that those ties kind of help help get fired up. So I don't think, here's what I think. I think that the guys are believing in themselves so much after, because these guys came to Montana to play Montana football, and they haven't gotten to do it. Right. So it's like now it's like they've put together this string of good stuff, and I don't think they want to let it down. I agree. So yeah. I don't think we're going to have trouble with them not being fired up. I agree. Yeah, there's 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 skin in the game. It's personal, with all the crossover you talked about. Yep, they're gonna come out fired up. And remember that if the Grizz don't score in the first quarter, that doesn't mean they're not fired up because they they don't. have only scored like <laughs> seventeen points. Seventeen points in the entire <laughs> in six year. Games. Yeah. All right. Good question. Okay. Okay. So our next one is coming from E Grizz in honor of WWE visiting Missoula this last summer. Question is, what roster member would make the best wrestler and what duo would be the best tag team? So I need to know from the start, is there a heavyweight division in WWE? No. Like, there's not. (laughs) Do I strike you as a WWE fan? (laughs) This is what makes it fun is you've got, like, little guys, right? They're wearing the little, like, masks like Rey Mysterio. They're going up against The Undertaker, right? The big show. But it's all fake. No, Mike, it's not all fake. Not all fake. All right. Kind of, somewhat mostly. fake. Okay. <laughs> They're mostly fake. 
But I think of all the Grizz players that have the look, like Ryder Rice. Oh, we're talking about current Grizz players because if we were talking fake, I was going to go sit with Bob Stitt's offense. But uh, <laughs> What? I don't know. Bob Stitt's offense from the top row. Wow. Wow. <laughs> you just made Bob Stitt's offense. Out of the, nowhere. Like Telemundo, like Mexican <laughs> television, like card table. It's there purposely to body slam someone <laughs> on and get broken. <laughs> um, I mean, Jesse Sims strikes me as the type of guy that would be in here somewhere, but is he too big? No, dude, what are you talking about? I don't know. Big? You told me there wasn't a heavyweight, so I'm just trying to gauge. The big there. show's like seven foot tall, dude. All right. You need big like Jesse Sims is a pretty good like pick. He's intimidating. Would right. Robbie Hawk be a good villain? Like chippy. Sure. Like mouthy. Mouthy. I could see Talk that. A big you, game. If we're talking tandems, like what about Dante and Jace? Right, right now. Yeah. I like that. I feel like here's the thing. Robbie Wilson, I've seen yeah. I've seen Dante on the Grizz Vision. He's not a dynamic actor. You need someone He's got that yell he does when he does the interception. There. You just you just Wah! need someone with a little like showmanship and personality. So like the guys doing the pregame like trash talk, like give me like I think Sammy Akim probably talks a lot of shit, right? Oh. Seems like it. Like the guy on the microphone talking to the bald guy with the mustache from the 80s, you know? Right. Like Sammy's the guy. Yeah, Sammy Akim's good. <laughs> I, don't know I, if think... he'd, I don't know if he'd be a good showman in the ring, but. Well, because, you know, he did that. He used to do like the first down and they told him to tone it down, apparently. Yeah. Last year, a touchdown, he'd pretend the ball was stuck in his hand and stuff. Yeah, yeah he's got a little flair to him. Yeah, yeah. has got a little bit too. So, yeah. yeah, I don't know. I, I really like the idea. Like, Ryder Rice kind of looks like Roman Reigns, except he's taller, like, lankier, you know? I'm not sure. All right, all right. What's our uh, next Twitter one, Mike? You got one up? Or you, you want me to fire away with another? We got um, a serious one from Egros, if you're... We, we had a couple good ones from, from Twitter as well. One of our good followers, Luke Rounds, asked a good question down here. Got lost in some of these joke accounts that tweet us all the time. Um, he said, "It seems like Bobby doesn't like our recruits to post their commitment to the U on social media. Is it just a conspiracy theory, or is this true?" Mm. No, clue. I love conspiracy theories. <laughs> Should I fire up the Twilight Zone? <laughs> <theme> song? <laughs> but why would? What's the advantage to telling your commits not to post on Twitter? I mean, I guess maybe the advantage is, and this is really going into paranoia coaching, which I believe how all coaches do. I think most coaches, yeah. Um, One of the ways the guys who track Montana recruiting always seem to know is they look every day at who the coaches like and follow. Yeah. And that's how they know who the Grizz are recruiting. And they've been commenting a little bit on the Egris recruiting thread that the coaches have stopped doing it. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I would be surprised if they'd go so far as to say, hey, keep it a secret because we don't want other people to find you because that's kind of a weird like if i was a parent and i heard that i'd be like oh so my kid's gonna be loyal to you and then you could pull his scholarship and nobody else is out i mean like i think it backfire but it certainly seems like they've changed their recruiting approach as far as social media goes interesting is that we should probably move this whole recruiting thing to instagram and here's why <laughs> Well, I think it's already there. One, 
more of the youths are on it. But two, very recently, um, Instagram removed the tab on the activity where you can see what the people you follow like and like add to much distress of of girlfriends all over the planet (laughs) trying to see what their boyfriends are, who their which picks and thirst traps or boyfriends are hurting. But this this would be a great mechanism to like, you know, promote the recruits and not be able to follow which Perfect. The other interesting thing is we're in a period of recruiting right now where I don't think coaches can be in athletes' houses. And a lot of the yeah. non-commitment tweets that you would see um, would be athletes tweeting out either getting an offer from Montana or mm-hmm. coaches' visits. Sure. And so some of it could just be we're not seeing it now, even though we see it other times and people are overanalyzing it. Because if you look at, I mean, we know of several commits, I think five or six, which, yeah. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, no, I mean, it's, we're seeing like Montana kids are announcing verbal commitments. I don't know. It's uh, it's kind of a fascinating thing. I think we saw one this week and one a couple of weeks ago. But are those PWOs, it, it, I don't know. I, I could I could buy into that conspiracy a little bit. I could buy into it. Okay. Because it's changed. You don't see it as much as we used to. And maybe it's just coaching staff philosophy. Because Stitt staff love to announce verbals and visits and in-home visits and all that stuff. And I, mean, I will like say that that feels like it's more um, <laughs> in line with yeah. maybe what yeah. current – high school students are about yes does um does bobby have a burner twitter account or do you think he just is not on any social media i know for a fact that when bobby Hauk came here he didn't know how to use he didn't know how to use twitter and um colin bonickson was running his twitter yeah and then bonickson left and and you'll occasionally see a a good tweet from Hauk, but it is not how (laughs) <laughs> it's his daughter. It's I was gonna say it's probably a mix of Eric Tabor and Logan or Mankey. Logan or Mankey, yeah, like, hey, this would be a good guys. like let's get this, you know. <laughs> or uh yeah, uh yeah. Jimmy, one yeah. of those guys. All right. Um Okay. Question from Big Riz ninety three. Enjoys the show. Look forward to listening every week. Oh, thank you. Two posts on Egros. That's it. This hey. is, question was post number two. We're bringing them out. Three best conferences ranked in the FCS in the FCS in terms of all around talent. Colonial's pretty tough this year. I mean, Missouri Valley. Missouri Valley Sky. has got to be. Sky, right? So I, I guess I would I say Missouri Valley, Colonial, Big Sky. Yeah. What I mean, Southern Conference. Southern is that like Jacksonville State? Are they in that? Mm-hmm. Didn't you show Southland? Southland's the one that's got their computer ranking guys. that had the Grizz of uh, the Big Sky as the number three conference so far in the year. I think so, yeah. It's the same yeah. one that says Montana's number two in the country. I think, like in the FBS, you got like a power five, and it feels like in the FCS, there's a power three. But I mean, admittedly, so the Big Sky, much like the Pac 12, like yeah. has some flash but doesn't get there, yeah. right? It, lately, what I'm seeing is like Missouri Valley historically. For the last five years, six years, seven ten. years, ten years, <laughs> ten almost. Essentially, right since um, uh, Andrew Schmidt tweeted, <laughs> yeah. Bobby Houck leaves. 
open the door for North Dakota State, and they wouldn't have happened if Bobby wouldn't have left. Yes, yep. yes. So since that hot take, which I love, Missouri Valley's been the conference. Yep. This year, though, I mean, while while Missouri Valley has North Dakota State still, and they're number one, and they should be, um, James Madison, New Hampshire, Villanova, they're all really strong teams. They're ranked, and they're all from the Colonial. So I think if you wanted to say total – you know, great teams. Mm-hmm. I think Colonial is stronger this year than the Missouri Valley. Oh. Paper Tiger, Northern Iowa. I'm not yeah. impressed. Ooh. Ooh. Well, no, they're never any good. But North, I don't know. North Dakota State, maybe Missouri Valley has that kind of SEC type of label because they've got the Alabama of the FCS in them. Who knows? Tough to say. What else you got? Um... How big a factor of is it making more or less the exact same road trip twice in a season, Davis and Sack? Mm. Only real difference is kickoff time and a short bus ride. We kind of talked about this. I think it's a benefit. I mean, you've been there. You Nothing's new to you. You can feel like it's a routine. You won last time. Just go out and do it. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I mean, I don't think it hurts them. No, I don't think so. No. We talked about how Davis couple weeks ago went to north coast state came back played montana went to north dakota maybe a little bit of a thing there but a little bit of a different stretch and kind of a different circumstance familiarity helps i would guess okay um our boy cd agres asked a serious question then kind of a goofy one but i'm gonna go with this goofy one in a minute uh, so we had another question that came on just uh, things with recruiting and quietness. Uh, we had one about how we match up against Sac State. I think we've addressed that pretty well. So uh, we got a question here that says, uh, what junior, other than Sammy Akim, <clears throat> will continue to impress over the next year and end up in an NFL camp? Darian Nash or Jace Lewis, Samori Torre, Dylan Cook, or our boy, O.D.? Good question. Good oh, question. my God. Good question. <laughs> and here's the reason. It's because I think OD is a sleeper. Yeah. Like, obviously, doesn't have the position skills, you know, of Samari Torre. Right. You know, Jace Lewis is probably a bigger overall contributor than OD. I'm sorry, Brent. For <laughs> I, I can see the fury in your eyes. Getting angry. But snapping is like a really difficult skill. And, you know, you can't teach effort, hustle, and heart. He's got all of those things. All of them. Uh, in, you know, in spades. So, and, and I remember um, I knew our former snapper, Aaron Held, uh, personally. And he was a tremendous snapper. His accuracy oh, yeah. was was wonderful. And he told me, he's like, you know, I might be, you know, a prospect in the NFL, but I'm just not big enough. But like my skill level is probably dang near right there. Good news, Aaron Held is like an amazing academic, you know, academically gifted guy. He's going to be fine. Probably going to be a doctor any day now. Not any day now, but you know, he's on his he's Sooner on his, he's on his way. He's doing okay. But anyway, o, you know, OD is very skilled too, and he's got the size, so I could see him. On an NFL roster, actually. I can see it. I can see it. What do you think, Brent? Yeah. I'm going to pick OD. 
Cook kind of seems like an interesting prospect. You talk about these athletic guys that go to tackle, but how many Grizzo linemen have made like a fruitful career on a roster with a chance? It's tough to say. I mean, OD seems like a, a sleeper. Like I, Nash you know? is. I, I mean, Nash Lewis. I think a lot of these things when you're a small school, small school, talented guy, unless if you are a world changer like Tremaine Johnson, I just I don't know if you're going to really get that look. It's and uh, OD kind of seems like the guy. The last, the last Montana tackle. Are we all talking but we also have OD. no idea how to judge OD against other long snappers. We just really like. Him. We really like him, and he gets so much credit for downing that punt a couple weeks ago. There was a Montana tackle that got drafted in the first round. Um, in the Madden 2011. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, wait a minute. I uh, yeah. Scott Gregg I got was a draft pick and Kirk. I got Stafford really into that <laughs> that year, and they had thirty two different draft classes, and wherever you started, you would randomly start between one and thirty two. Perfect. And I went through and like in an Excel spreadsheet simulated every draft class. Nice. And like put in all the players, and I came across like this this tackle from Montana and he was like he came out as a sophomore and he was like 68 320 but anyway from Montana University of Montana um other than that any juniors i mean i think cam is the the most likely one i know his question said don't answer that yeah well there you go okay i've got I got at least one more that I'm going to do off Egros. Let me see. Yeah, no, I got one more from Egros I'm going to do. He's got we one got, more from Twitter. You do A yours. good one. I got a terrible one from Egros. So do the terrible one because I want to end on this one because it's right up Luke's alley. <laughs> okay. FMK. That's okay. You know what we're talking about? Fuck, marry, or kill. Oh, God. <laughs> FMK. <laughs> Duh, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> Much like Luke last week with the PowerPoint. I thought this was a user <laughs> a username. This is from our guy, uh, CDA. Mila Kunis. Right? Oh, yeah. I'm bad with this last name. Uh, Emily, what is Rajakowski? Okay. okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. She's, she's from the Blurred Lines video. There you go. Oh, yeah, that's her, yeah. Third option. Posts about beer in the stadium. FMK. Um, Mike, go. Gonna, wait, wait, what? <laughs> Here, what's the, what's the post third? about beer in the stadium on I'm, <laughs> I'm going to kill the post about beer in the stadium Aww. because I'm just so sick of hearing people talk about it. We all get it. As for the other two, I'm not going to objectify women like this. this. <laughs> oh, that's, that's, that's a good call. Luke, single man, go. Not single. Not married, man. I still don't get the third option. Because <laughs> who the hell reads egress? <laughs> What's the third option? Posts on egress about beer in the stadium. Oh. Drinking beer, having beer, buying beer. It's dumb. That's a dumb option. That's a dumb option. You it, would kill that option. It, I would kill that option. Um, you wouldn't take it out to a nice dinner, steak dinner. I wouldn't even consider and not call it back. I wouldn't even consider leading that option on, because that I, I'm just concerned about what it would do to the tailgate atmosphere. 
Well, my concern is they would try and link it to people not going out at halftime. And I get the whole, there's this whole push of like, you need to get back in your seats. But I think if we didn't let people go out at halftime, our season ticket numbers would drop significantly because there are a ton of people that go for the event more than the football game. True. Yeah. And frankly, it's like, we've got great crowds, even, even with the criticisms that we have. So it's like, as long as that beer conversation didn't have anything to do with closing halftime, I don't like it. Fair. Yeah. Okay. Um, I would be all for having beer gardens though. We need a beer garden. Yeah. Uh, I just don't want to talk about the Sunny Grizz anymore because everybody agrees. <laughs> it's like move up. You sound like you're ready to marry this beer post, Mike. You gonna put a ring on it? I'm happily married. <laughs> Not objectifying women. Can if we move on? If your wife for uh, Halloween dressed up as beer posts and egress. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> oh, okay, man. serious question, go. <laughs> Sorry, serious question has to follow that. Uh gentleman on Twitter who follows us named Spencer Helm. Um, has a great question. He said, with the high school seasons winding down, what five schools, Montana-based or otherwise, have contributed the most to the Grizzlies since 2000? Um, I actually, we, we, on, we, we tagged Eric Tabor in this when somebody put it out there, and um, Tabor said he doesn't have any specific research on it, but it's all in the uh, media guides. You can look at history. So if we could get that in Excel form and have Luke sort it for us, that would really be useful. I'm really interested in this question, and I so I'll do would. it. Yeah, but but let's kind of. I think we can answer the out of state with regions. I mean, the the Seattle and Central Washington region has been very good to Grizz football. Yeah, um, specific high schools are a little bit tougher for me to narrow down out of state. Right. You, out of before state, we talk about tough. out of state, yeah, out in of the state's state, tough. In state's different. Do so you guys have any thoughts on out of state? No idea. I mean, there's been some kind of that central coastal California and yeah. the coastal Oregon side where we've pulled some kids, what Tyron Holmes and uh, Dylan's guy, uh, Cole Burquist, and others have mm-hmm. come from kind of that uh, whatever the classifications in Oregon are much different than Montana. But, um, but yeah, those, those areas. We've California. got to pull some pretty good kids out of those areas. Yeah, that's right. Cole's from California right yeah. now, Oregon. I was thinking of Jordan Johnson. Jordan mm-hmm. Johnson, yeah. Um, so, yeah. I'll in report state. back next week. I'll, yeah. give, I'll give so us that, some data on that. Out of state's interesting. In state, I think we can have more of a hypothetical broad view. I think Billings West seems like they always have been a, yeah. a feeder of Grizz Athletics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Helena Capital is another one that I think has been a, a, a pretty good over the years – um, pipeline. What, what Missoula school do you think has supplied the most? I, I would say like historically Big Sky, but lately Sentinel, right? Yeah, I mean historically Big Sky easily. I mean, it's like, but even right now, Colton Kites is from Big Sky, but the Palmers, uh, you know, uh, plenty of others. But Sentinel has got probably more guys on the roster right now. Although it's probably a toss-up because Levi Jancaro, Jancaro. And Kynes are from Kynes. Big Sky. And we got Germer, and we've got Roberts. Peppinger and Roberts. And Do you guys get the sense that Loyola is the most out of the Class B schools? Ooh. Or do you think like like Baker, if you just took all the Schillingers? <laughs> <laughs> or were all the, the Lebsock family? Where are all the Lebsock? Oh, they, they were Billings. Billings. Or the or the walkers from Plentywood. Do you remember? Yeah. I remember the walkers yeah. from Plentywood. My cousin played with Walker on that team. 
And they had some other giant redheaded linebacker a couple of years later. I forget what his name was. I mean, you could Paulson. That's, that's also where um, Kurt Paulson's from. I was going to say Paulson's yeah. from. Yeah, Paul. Yeah. So Plainwood might have at least four guys. Uh, we, had a, we had a little and stretch. Robin Selvig was from up there too. If we're, if we're going beyond just, I mean, yeah. you, we had a stretch of some like really good pulls out of Drummond, Chase Reynolds. Yep. Carson Bender, who wore thirty-seven, mm-hmm. and Alex Verlanek, who was starting center. Carson I mean, came from Deer Lodge. Oh, I thought he came from. Okay, I could be wrong. I, I don't know. It's I a D. He used to date RA that we were. I think they're married. He they're coaches married. football in Helena. Somewhere. Okay, yeah, he yeah. dated a girl named Marnie. Yeah. They were good. He was a good guy. Uh, something. Yeah, I yeah. think he was in that number thirty-seven article. Yep. Yep. So. Well, yeah, he wore thirty-seven. Yeah. Let's see. I, I'm pulling. Oh. oh, oh. Oh, they don't. I'll tell you who isn't on this list is Centerville, Brent. You know what? <laughs> Sleeping Giant. Who's the last guy from Shelby to play for the Grizz? Ooh. Kurt Schilling, probably. Deer Lodge. Bender's from Deer Lodge. Sorry. Kurt What'd Schilling. you say? Kurt Schilling? Yeah. Kurt Schilling? Yeah, his father, um, Gene, played in the NFL. And then they ended up in Shelby. They ended up in Shelby. Actually, Chase Ballantyne. Was a kid in my brother's class, and he made the team. He was a walk-on, mm-hmm. so that wasn't too long ago. And uh, they had a quarterback named Chase White, who I think got an offer to play here, like an official like offer. And he ended up not coming, but he was a phenomenal. Well, oh, you and I talked about him. He yeah. was in the Trent McKinney draft or like uh, incoming class, um, and he. He could overthrow every receiver we had. He had an absolute cannon. His family moved to Shelby when I was a senior. He was a fifth grader. His dad was the coach. And he damn near had as good of an arm as our as our <laughs> starting quarterback as a fifth grader. That kid was a good athlete. Who was the best Grizz to come out of Shelby? Kurt Schilling. You think he's the best? Bar none. All sports. Matt Seidensticker. What about Larry Kristoviak? Oh, Larry, well, okay. Ah, oh, Google they, just got you. Big Sky is going so, to claim him because he graduated from Big Sky. He graduated from uh, Missoula. Yeah, he spent he transferred. He right, spent yeah. like freshman sophomore year in Shelby and then transferred to Missoula. Boy, that's kind of like who's the kid that plays it for Sentinel right now? Jackson Lee or whatever. He's a Grizz commit. Yeah, who transferred from? Yeah. Hey, from, Shelby's Kurt yeah. Schilling. Sunday conversation. Great Falls Tribune. Yeah, there you he go. was a stud. Um, one of one of the most iconic, I think, uh, Grizz football pictures is of Kurt Schilling laying the hit stick on a wide receiver and the helmet popping off. Have you guys seen that? Oh. Like mid-hit and the helmet is like three feet above the player. But it's there's one in the press box of this hit. But Interesting. He was a stud. Um, kind of switching back to the, the question a little bit. I mean, the Kalispell area was always good to the Grizz for a period of time. More recently, probably Glacier than Kalispell, but they also lost some to the Cats. But it seems like Bobby has remedied that we've issue. Pulled, we've pulled some kids out of Bozeman, too. I, we have. Like oh. some, some stars over Brock the Coyle. Yeah, Brock Coyle. Andrew Schmidt. I mean, Andrew you know, Schmidt. he's a star in his own right. Yeah. Well, <laughs> the Wires. Both the Wires, right? Yeah. All of QB. Yeah. But yeah. So that'd be an interesting thing to see. I'm so excited to put this together. Yeah, I we will we will get back to you because this is when I saw this question, I was like, this is so up Luke's alley of things <laughs> to he would research this anyway. So <laughs> we're gonna have some fun with it. Um, any other questions? Am I missing anything? No, you're good. Good on my side. Awesome. I think that uh, that probably wraps up wraps up 
uh, user questions or listener questions, which I actually, it's kind of become my favorite these segment of the week because it's like with, like with some of the stupid ones, there's also interesting yeah. ones. I mean, there's awesome, interesting questions that we would have never thought of. So keep them coming. Um, yep. And feel free, if you think about it, tweet us earlier in the week and we'll try and remember them. Yeah. <laughs> okay, Mike. Do you know what time this time is? Um, it's time for the check down. Oh, <laughs> man! This is the first time you've got this question, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, mid-season four. Mid-season. Yeah, here we are. If this is your first <laughs> podcast you've ever listened to, um, we're sorry. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> we're a solid two hours into this shit show. Uh, this is the segment where I ask Mike questions and he gives us quick responses. Mike, are you ready? Always. Better post-college football career, Troy Anderson or Dante Olson? Post-college football career? Yep. Um, I think Dante Olson because I think MSU has fucked up Troy's future. Ooh. Ooh. Uh, Mike, spanning over the time you've been alive, name your favorite president of the University of Montana that isn't Seth Bodner or George Dennison. Oh, God. Well, I'm going to give it to Sheila Stearns because she signaled the end of the Roy Sangstrom era, so that alone had to be a positive. Um, But, yeah. That was my first submission of the year to check down. (laughs) I thought you were going with James Koch. I was trying to see. I I knew that, yeah. yeah, yeah. But literally, George Dennison still is like half of my life as the president of the university. Yeah. Same here. I mean, how long was he? King George. 17 years or something like that? Quite a while. Okay, Mike, there's a house on the Missoula market that's had, had some trouble moving. For some unknown reason you discover that the house must sell within the next two weeks or else you will get a crippling case of gout. Only one agent can sell this house, either you or Brent. Who do you assign to the job? (laughs) (laughs) Is it my listing? I'll take the listing and Brent can sell the house. No, it's not your listing. You have to pick. Who's going to sell this house? Well, I'm a non-competing broker, so if it if it's something I've got to assign, I'm assigning Mike, it. Get to out break. of your own asshole. This is boring. <laughs> Answer the question. Mike. I assign Mike. Okay. Mike, <clears throat> Missoula County is considering installing rooftop solar panels on the jail warehouse. Tell us more about your opinion in cutting costs by having the people in the jail hold the solar panels during daylight hours. <laughs> well, it feels more achievable than my last idea for power in the jail, which was to get everybody riding bikes were hooked up to a generator over and over again. Okay. Um, so that was going to be my follow up yeah. compared to that idea of <laughs> indentured servitude. God. Mike is. <laughs> Takashi six nine a snitch. <laughs> um, yes. Okay. Grizz's most improved offensive lineman. Uh, oh. Mm. Well, size switch positions, and so did Dylan Cook. I mean, both those guys are. Uh, you know, I'm gonna go with Cook. Dylan Cook. Yeah. All right. Um, is this Bobby Houck's last head coaching job? I think it is. 
I mean, I think he's been there. I think he's seen other things. I think it is. Okay. What happens first? The Grizz win a national championship or enrollment at UM increases? Oh. Oh, boy. Um, the Grizz win a national championship to increase enrollment. Those January things are year. oddly related. Yeah, I'm chicken in the More air. and more, I believe <laughs> that they are very related. Okay, now over, under, or properly rated? This is us. Um, over. Ooh. Broadway musicals. Under. Grizz coaching staff. Properly. Travis Scott. <laughs> Pass. <laughs> Over. I'll jump in on that one. Over. Uh, flipping houses. Uh, in general or the shows? In general. Eh, properly. Properly rated? Yeah, Probably overrated because most people don't know what the hell they're doing. Unless they have a good realtor? Well, for part of it, yeah. Okay. Not, not charlatan. Yeah. Well, and Mike, that concludes the check down. <laughs> <laughs> did, I, did I pass? Uh, for the most part. Oh. Boy, I don't know. <laughs> oh, boy. All right. This takes us to the BWR. Brent, this is your segment. I'm ready. I love this segment. I hate it. Okay, Brent. About a week ago, Daryl Morey, the GM of the Houston Rockets, tweeted support for protesters in Hong Kong. The NBA stumbled a bit and appeared to try to play both sides of the issue, and China predictably freaked out. After a year, or after a week, I've been struggling with my time periods. After a week of being able to plan alongside Nike's best consultants, LeBron LeBron James tonight did his best iteration of saying there are many fine people on both sides. (laughs) It was bad. It was bad. (laughs) So, Brent, it's your turn. After a week, are you prepared to make a statement on your thoughts as they pertain to Hong Kong? Remember, China is listening. <laughs> uh, you know, next week, I think I'll be... Re- I'll, no. What? <laughs> I thought I was ranking stuff. What the hell is this? You're dropping some Hong Kong stuff on me? If Hong Kong wants to be free, they deserve to be free. Oh. There we go. There we go. Wow. Was that so hard, LBJ? <laughs> I got nothing. Yeah. Brent, Missoula recently opened Broadway (laughs) Island, the city's newest public park. Yes. For decades, the property has attracted more transients and criminal activity than it did recreational users. Brent, (laughs) name five places I can score drugs now. (laughs) (laughs) You can phone a friend to your right. (laughs) Mike, give me one dorm that would be the best score. Well, back mm. in the day, it would have been um, Jesse Hall. Jesse, yeah. But I don't know what it would be now. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Which fraternity? All of them. All of them. <laughs> <laughs> what drug? <laughs> okay, Brent. Justin Bieber was in the news again recently. Um, Good. Yeah. Yeah. As you know, Brent. Top top five reasons Justin Bieber's the best male solo artist of our time. (laughs) Okay. Well, this should be a layup. Thanks. 
Thanks for giving it an easy one. What? Because like, he, like he pairs up with DJ Snake or a country artist, or or does uh, or does stuff with uh, Chance the Rapper. Some of those things. No, I don't know. Justin Bieber is somewhat overrated, although his bad guy remix with Billy Elish isn't too bad. But Huck clearly disagrees with this. Clearly, as there is a dog growl, a pod dog is growling on the floor. All right. He is not the greatest of this current generation. Fair. Fair. Thank you. <laughs> Debatable. Fair. Okay, well, uh, all right, Mike. Um, no, 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 no. We are not done with the BWR. <laughs> so I recently spent a lovely uh, several days in New York City with my wife. Okay, in yes. New York. Yeah. So. He doesn't know what song you're singing. Give me. <laughs> I absolutely <laughs> do. It's by Travis Scott and Beyonce. <laughs> Beyonce's husband, Travis Scott. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he, Kanye, who made... Uh, the Yankee hat more famous than a Yankee could. That's right. Yeah. There we go. Oh, yeah. What? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fuck that. Um, but anyway, um, Brent, I was recently in New York. Yeah. Top five things that people from large metro areas think when they learn someone's from Montana. We don't have internet. We still ride horses to get everywhere. It snows eight months out of the year. Um, we have a cowboy accent. Boy, I feel like I'm missing one here. Which of the ones you identified was asked to me while we were there? The horse riding. The horses. horse riding. Yeah. For real. Yeah. yeah. We were getting on a tour bus for Ellis Island, and the guy was walking us to the thing, and he's like, so where are you from? Montana. And he's like, so you just like ride horses ride and stuff? Horses. You know, we always had some farm kids take horses to school, you know, every now and again. Just, you know, because it was weird, and they're usually weird. It's like a Shelby thing. But Ryan Zinke rode a horse to work yeah. on his first day at yeah. the Capitol. Which yeah. set our cause back. <laughs> but then he shoveled snow, which was a positive. I thought that was good. Yeah, I mean, you know, it could have been. That was like the highlight of Ryan Zinke's term. As could have been Corey Stapleton. Whoa, whoa, Mike. Whoa, Mike. Could have been Corey Stapleton and just drove a state truck around and go to personal. Whoa, <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. If you do not talk politics on this spot. taking his horse. If you're this deep in the cut, you love us. <laughs> you're not turning out. <laughs> oh, man, oh, man, oh, man. Okay, Brent. Shit. What are your top five realtor house renovation shows? I don't watch any of those fucking shows. No, no, no. Tell me what they are. All right. Uh, <laughs> fix or flip. Love it or leave it. I think that's actually a podcast. Neither of those are the right name. <laughs> I thought you were going to say it's fix or flip. Flip or flop. Flip or flop. Fixer upper. Those are two different ones. I'm just going to flip them. And it is love it or list it. <laughs> Love it or leave it is a offshoot of uh, Pod Save America. Uh, like, who wants to watch a reality show about the job you do all day? I really enjoy HTV at times. Okay. Like, <laughs> which are the best ones to watch? If I had to watch one show, I really like Property Brothers. 
Um, the they're just the twins. We met the property brothers. Yeah. brothers. Yeah. yeah. They're the twins. Why do you like that? I just, I think... Do they know what they're talking about? They, they're the most realistically know what they're talking about. All right. Um, the flipper flop, I actually like too, especially because they were married and managed to get divorced and still do their show, oh, which means they're committed to the millions of dollars they're getting every year. <laughs> that contract was tightly yeah, written. That was, they're, they're all in on that. I had some clients get... Almost selected for a first-time buyer show. Ooh. And they revealed, they lifted the curtain. The people on a lot of these shows, when they're picking the houses, the house they pick, they already bought months ago. Yep. Oh. On most, on the, the especially on the HGTV, um, uh, the property search one. What's yeah. that show called? I don't know. What's, property Hunters. What's the show where house they do hunters. a renovation on your house? And then like... You get a discount if you like. I don't know what is that. There's love it or list it, where it's like two, two, the two hosts. One's trying to get you to buy another house, and one's trying to renovate your renovate your yes. current house. Yeah. Uh, a girl I went to high school with was on that show, and her and her husband have a home in Bozeman. Mm-hmm. Right. Cool. And you actually know the father, maybe. Oh well, okay. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I've it narrows it down for me. Yeah. Actually, I had a house on one of those shows once. Hmm. The people in the front entryway and the steps up to the kitchen is was they had handpicked rocks from Flathead Lake for years to do this themselves. And the show came through and like they were super excited about it. They recorded it. They had to be out of the house all day. The show comes out like four or five months later. We know those people didn't buy the house because the thing was still for sale. Down market era. So these people like who carefully with their kids spent weeks around Flathead Lake handpicking rocks for their entryway. Get to the show and they shit all over the rocks. Like this is so dumb. Who the hell? This is the stupidest (laughs) thing ever. So, careful what you wish for on some of those shows. (laughs) Interesting. Yeah. All right. That is true. I would struggle with that. Um, Yeah. (laughs) HDTV is really a blessing and a curse for real estate agents. I just, I'm not that guy. Like, I'm like, I mean, and especially we're moving back into the real estate talk, but like, real estate is a job where it's not a nine to five type of job. Like you, you are kind of, you're kind of working in and out of it all the time. And so I'm just kind of that person where I don't want to watch a TV show about what I do, um, seven days a week and on and off all the time and do those things. That's just me. But I know there's a ton of realtors. I don't flip houses, so I consider it a little different than what I do, but I I will say my biggest pet peeve on those shows is when they, they negotiate, they buy the house and it's like, yay. And then, and I will tell you, fixer up with Chip and Joanna was the worst about this is they would then go find a problem that is like the end of the world. And it is the type of problem that any loser home inspector, not even the good ones, the losers would have caught. (laughs) <laughs> and it's just like there ain't no way you guys didn't know about this before you bought this house. Hey guys, guess what? There's rats down here. Yeah, <laughs> fuck. It's like, oh my god. Guess Ooh. what? We found asbestos in the crawl space. It's like, 
No, Did nobody shit. walk into the crawl space. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't see all this little granular rock shit. Because yeah. if nobody did, you home? should fire Chip Gaines as a realtor. <laughs> Just putting that out there. Anyway, all right, um, Brent. I was recently in New York, as we talked about. Are you sure? I am in sure. New York. <laughs> right. You know, which is funny because my wife kept talking about wanting to sing New York songs when we got there, yeah. and that one never came up. <laughs> it was like always Taylor Swift. Anyway, um, um, wait, how I, many New York songs does Taylor Swift have? One. Great. Over and over and over again. Okay. Oh yeah. yeah. Surprised you didn't know it. We've done a lot of Taylor Swift stuff on this pod. <laughs> <clears throat> Whole new Wait. album you've had time to digest, but we'll save that. Yeah. Um Best song off the new album. Uh James really likes the one where he gets to say me, me, me and sing it with Stacy. So oh, okay. I don't know. It's called Lover. Yeah. Um That's the best one. Um I don't know. <laughs> but <laughs> question here. So I went to two Broadway plays. Fuck. <laughs> I will tell you. I went to Wicked yeah, and um, Book of Mormon. Oh, yeah. Wicked was phenomenal. And I don't mean to say that to downplay Book of Mormon because it was funny and the cast was great, but Wicked has truly earned its bill as being one of the longest-running and best-reviewed oh, wow. Broadway plays of all time. That being said, the Book of Mormon is written by the creators of South Park. Yeah. Give me your top five South Park episodes of all time. Oh, okay. So, I'm a, I haven't watched a lot of recent South Park. Fair. Okay. So there was. I know my. I think I want to say my number one was uh, this "Voter Die" one where uh, Puff Daddy was in it and he had an English accent. And they were trying to vote on the school mascot, and it was a giant douche versus a turd sandwich. <laughs> uh, Paris Hilton was in it. Um, that was a pretty good one. There was one with the uh, the the city walk where uh, the Mongolians built the wall around the the town. Oh my god! I should, there was, um, you know, my my. Uh, Jump in, Luke. You got one for me. <laughs> what about the 300 episode? The 300 episode. Do you remember that one off the movie 300? I don't know if I do. With there was Lesbos. The... Oh, <laughs> yes, that's right. <laughs> yes, that was a pretty good one. Um, there was the whole, like, wasn't there like a whole half a season dedicated to like the Family Guy writers wrote their episodes was like provided by like manatees was like their content or something like that <laughs> i, like I think they go all in their on take stuff. on the uh the um 2016 election had a lot of good stuff in there that was uh, a little cathartic for considering the year um and then uh gosh there was one the scientology episode the scientology, scientology. where they so actually got shep to quit yeah he was a scientologist <laughs> yeah that was what and then Ar- they were R. Kelly was in it because they did one more. He died. They killed him. He died, him. and they, they used him. his computer voice to like say all kinds of crazy <laughs> shit. <laughs> I think that Scientology one might have been the best one. So my wife's favorite one was they did this stupid thing where like guinea pigs dressed up as dinosaurs <laughs> would like ruin the town, 
And uh, that was one of my wife's favorites. She enjoyed those because it was stupid. It was like it was a level of just like ridiculous humor where you didn't have to get like super crazy offended by it. But that Scientology one with John Travolta and R. Kelly singing "Trapped in the Closet." Oh my god, that was a, that that was, was a, a good one. Damn good, damn good South Park. Um, there you go, man. There have been some great ones. Let me let me think here. Are you like googling like best well, South Park? You could Google them, but there's everybody's got different lists, so it's like it, it's crazy. But um, I really like. There was one where there was a war on fast food because it's like South Park's always good for like the the mob getting worked up. Yeah. So they drove the KFC out of business, and it was replaced with the medical marijuana dispensary. Um, and so it was like Cartman versus Kyle's dad, and it was. Um, <laughs> Oh man, that I mean that one was hilarious in my mind. And then there was another one. I think it was called Smuggler. Oh yeah, because medicinal fried chicken. <laughs> <laughs> um, but there's another one called Smuggler where um, it was oh. the premise was like these pretentious people driving Priuses saving the world. Yes, and then it turns into like. They would fart and smell their own farts in a wine glass in a drug Priuses. Yeah, because that was and it was like it was just such a social commentary that was like spot on on like you're you're taking your your pretentiousness just a smidge too far. (laughs) Well, and very recently they produced an episode about China's censorship. That's right, and then they got like. Blocked in and you China can't find me, South yeah. Park if you are in China because their internet is government controlled. Yeah, well, you also cannot find Grizz Fan Podcast <laughs> any longer <laughs> if you're any any of our Chinese listeners. Well, I just I'm always amazed at how God. quickly they can turn around an episode with current events. Oh like, man, I'm, South Park I'm, does that better than almost any other show. Man, I'm going through this list. Some of these like awesome. Oh, that was like oh, oh my yep, God. I remember that. Imagination Land. Um, that one where they had the dog whisperer on. Um, the Warcraft one where they all had to like fight a bunch of like yeah. Oh my How about Steve Irwin like Halloween? Oh my God. <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> I remember like I can't at what point, but like for some stupid reason, we always thought Towelie was the funniest character because it was a towel that just wanted to get high with everybody. And so yeah, there were several so many good years ones. in a row where South Park ran. Um, the Christmas Pooh Marathon. Mr. Hanky. Yeah, Mr. Yeah. Hanky, the Christmas. And it was like, you didn't realize just how many fucking episodes. I mean, that show's been on since I was in middle school. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's been a yeah. long time. Absolutely. <laughs> See, yeah. they're not all that bad. There are some good questions. <laughs> Uh, well, I think that wraps it up. You think that's a, <laughs> yeah. a good spot to think we're good? <laughs> all right, I love it. <laughs> all right, well... I think anything you guys want to add about the Grizz? The who? No. who? <laughs> I thought this was America. <laughs> We're out of beer. We're, yeah, yeah, we have reached the end. Beer is yeah. all gone. All, all good. Well, if we know you, we'll talk to you soon. If not, we'll see you next week right here. Go Grizz. Fight on. Fight on.